Warren Beatty, an artist who in and of himself could cover several episodes, is one of the most surreal and interesting cases in the wild, wild story of Hollywood. Starting out as the 60s equivalent of someone like Brad Pitt or George Clooney, Warren Beatty used the funds and money that he got from these major motion pictures he was working on through the 60s and 70s to perform the ultimate goal for any true artist, creating their own passion projects. However, by the time of the 1990s, Warren Beatty was hitting more or less the twilight of his acting career. With the failure of Dick Tracy behind him, Warren Beatty went into some form of a hiatus, working on side projects and side hustles and just sort of being a socialite and dilettante in the Hollywood sphere. That was until May 22nd, 1998, where Warren Beatty released his political dark comedy, Bullworth, a satirization of Clinton-era democratic politics, as well as an insightful look at the black experience in America through the lens of an unwitting white savior. The film is slightly divisive now, but at the time was well-received. Surprisingly so. And while most people don't really know the name of Bullworth, the film has garnered some form of a cult classic status for those highbrow neoliberal types. Notable fans of the movie even include former President of the United States, Barack Obama. That sentence shouldn't be coming out of my mouth. While we're about a week late from having this be released on election week, and especially after the almost complete disaster that was the New Jersey election. I feel as though it's time to turn back, blast some ghetto superstar, and and sit back as we talk about the wild and crazy story of Warren Beatty's Bullworth, here on Bombed. Seth, um, yeah. I didn't know you were a big uh, Warren Beatty fan. <laughs> I'm not, really. <laughs> this is really the only... Th- well, I saw Dick Tracy in the theaters for like a kid's birthday party. Because you were, you probably weren't alive when that movie came out, right? Uh, I, Dick Tracy's film. I was alive when were you born? enough to... Well, I was 94, but yeah, I had... Dick Tracy was before that, I'm pretty sure. It was 90, and I yeah. had it on VHS. <laughs> I saw it, it on It was VHS. so... The thing is, like, so I was... 10 when that movie came out yeah and uh the ubiquity of the it was so promoted because mcdonald's was like did toys and stuff they i remember cups. that there's a line of cups yeah of all the different like mobsters but we're, uh we're all just i like, saw it as a kid and i was just confused yeah i think and then uh i watched a guy's video about that movie that was actually really interesting like how that movie came to be and why but anyway that's like my only other frame of reference for the man to be honest warren Beatty is a character he's a sur- just such a surreal, weird human being. Well, that's what. What did you think? So you've never seen this movie. So you I've never it seen this film. What did you? Never what was your reaction to this movie? I will generally this, just I overall. Say, I've never seen this movie, and then you brought it up, and I was like, "Oh, what's what's this movie?" And I looked it up, and I immediately saw that poster that has lived <laughs> rent free in my mind and my nightmares for ages. <laughs> 
And I'm like, oh, okay. All right, we're there. Because <laughs> when I was younger, I always saw the poster of like just Warren Beatty's mouth being. It's like the politician's mouth with him stepping out of the mouth. Yeah, being like a like, rapper. Being like, what's good? I forget but- what the actual. What's the other one that you're talking about? No, no, no. Oh, that's that's the one about? I'm talking okay. about because okay. when I was younger, it looked like some creature was just crawling out yeah, of his mouth. It's not a good poster. <laughs> It's, it's not a great poster. It's pretty, like... It's weird. You look at it from a distance. You're like, what alien invasion movie is that? It doesn't make any sense. Like, what the fuck is this movie about? Yeah, you, I didn't know what to expect, because here's the thing. So, what was this? So, uh, this movie... Oh, so what do you think of... You never I cut you off. No, no, it's fine. It's just, um, I mean, we'll get to it. I think we'll get to it. Not in, in detail, bit, but, but just generally. I'm just curious, as someone who never saw it and wasn't alive, was like a child when it was out. Well, I'm I'm glad that it wasn't a horror movie based on the poster that it was. But, you know, I'm a sucker for a good network movie, which is like one of those films that it's trying to be bigger than it actually is than just a movie. Right. You know, you're sorry to bother you. I'm a huge fan of, you know, it's stuff that like tells a real message. And this yeah, it's does, not subtle. It's very it's not, not a subtle. subtle movie. At all. This one it, very not subtle. <laughs> The messages are not are not subtext. It's very straight to the point, which is <laughs> yeah. fine. And like I agree with the messaging with it. We'll get into it a little bit more, but the message holds up. Uh Warren Beatty rapping does not hold up. <laughs> it's that funny because it never bothered me. <laughs> but I've heard that complain about it. That some people have trouble getting through that. It's funny for maybe five minutes, not for forty five minutes. See, this is why it's interesting, because this is why this movie always it, it, this movie was like context, uh, contemporaneously. This movie did not do great. At oh all. no! Oh. But the ghetto superstar was gigantic song. Yeah, that's like the most big people. Thing. If they know anything about this movie, that's all they know. Is they know that was a big hit song, sold a lot of soundtracks. This is the era of big hip hop soundtracks, also. Yeah. Where and we'll get to the soundtrack at some point because I, I we, can go we'll into definitely be about talking that. about the soundtrack because that's soundtrack's the most a platinum. Thing. Yeah, it's by far the most successful piece. Which is weird that built that that Bullworth probably made more money off an old dirty bastard song than he did this film. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, that's a weird fact. Because he must have owned the production rights to the soundtrack. Well, I mean, like, based on the amount of people on that soundtrack that either contributed original tracks to it. It's a weird soundtrack. It's about a third. Back then, most of the hip-hop soundtracks were just all original tracks. And this one's like a mix it's like a of, mix of uh, like songs that already existed and then just yeah, like it's a weird it's a weird mix of songs. And then there's like some dot there's a Dr. Dre LL Cool yeah. J track that's yep. like That's an okay song. That but that wasn't a big hit. That was like only on Rap City on occasion. That wasn't a big hit. Ghetto Superstar was everywhere. Oh, that but was still the movie one. it did not drive the movie. <laughs> but it was like never in the theater. Like me and my girlfriend at the time wanted to see it. Because she was like, Well, you like rap and she I'm smart and I like <laughs> politics and stuff. She was like smarter than me, so she wanted to see it for the politics. And I thought it'd be funny. I didn't know. I don't know. You know what I mean? You're just like, I want to hear Ghetto Superstar. It was the summer after my senior year of high school, I think. Or like right before the summer is yeah. when I saw it. Fine. We were out with like friends. I think we went to see something else. And the th- I lived in upstate New York in the middle of nowhere. And so like when you went to the movies, it was like some little thing with three screens. Yeah. And like, which might have old movies. It might have a current. Might If you're lucky, it'll have one current movie. Like whatever the big hit is at the time. What they would call a multiplex, if you will. Yes. That's all that was around me. And they weren't close to me. But anyway, we went out with this other couple who made out in the back of my car the entire ride to the movie theater. Because that's, that's how it was in 1998. 
And um, <laughs> we went to see something else, and then Bullworth happened to be one of the movies because it was like months old, I think. Because I bought the soundtrack on my senior trip to Canada in high school. Oh, shit. I, I bought it in Canada. I bought the soundtrack. Nice. <laughs> but, nice. Um, I pulled out 220s, and the girl nearly fainted because the exchange rate was pretty crazy back then. <laughs> Fuck. But uh, the girl working at the CD store. Oh, nice. <laughs> but, so um, it was like, what, you were paying actually $3 for a Bullworth? Album? I don't know. what. I, I probably. <laughs> yeah, but... um. So we saw it. I was 18 years old and I saw this. I didn't know shit about politics. Like this movie was the first time I ever like exposed to the idea that people can't afford health insurance and stuff like that. Yeah. Like I never really I didn't grow up rich, but I grew up privileged enough to not have to know that that's a problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like and I was coming into my age and I was about to go off to college and I, I hadn't been to college yet. And uh, so stuff like that, just the insurance company being bad or like. <laughs> shady or like and, yeah. my father's very political and he's very republican he's like a reagan, reagan guy uh, my mom's just all over the place so i didn't have like there was no my dad tried to drill conservative shit in our head but he wasn't aggressive about it you know yeah. what i mean so i never really thought about i don't think i don't even know what i thought about bill clinton at the time i think this was after monica all i'm right. pretty sure all right yeah 98 this was, yeah yeah this is this well into past, that yeah. so like and he got how i remember is when the monica Lewinsky thing happened he got more popular because most people thought no one, they were like, this is stupid. We don't care if he's cheating on his wife. Is he doing a good job? That's exactly, like, yeah. that was a lot of what the public thought. And that's why his approval ratings went up after the impeachment. And but anyway. Yeah. And then Newt Gingrich turned around and was like, no, we should be mad at him. for." Yeah. I don't even, I kind of remember, I barely remember Newt Gingrich contempt. Like I know him now, but at the time I was too, I don't know. I was too young. Yeah, he was like anything. the flagship of that whole, like. He was the speaker shame, yeah. under Clinton for a while. And they did, they, but anyway, so this movie was a big awakening for me politically. Yeah, it's it, weird. Like. I, it's, you were it's, just like every health insurance agent is just Paul Servino. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> you obviously, how could the health insurance company be the bad guy? It's played by the guy who tried to kill Henry Hill and Goodfellas. <laughs> how is that? Oh, he's obviously good-hearted. It's well, that's what that's one of my notes. Is like before getting into details, it's st- I still feel this way. I don't know if it's because of when I saw it or whatever. The, the yeah. hip hop stuff doesn't feel corny to me. Like, well, I, like I what, feel like hip hop incorporation or just like, yeah, like or, I feel I believe it's a guy losing his mind instead of like a guy trying to pretend he's hip. You know what I'm saying? Which is what the characters. That's how I like. It's not like when I see like Steve Martin hanging out with Queen Latifah trying to be like urban. I it didn't get, feel like that to me. Yeah, I don't know why. Fair. I might be wrong. <laughs> but it might be the age I saw this and where I was in my life and everything, but it, it really doesn't, none of it cr- is cringe to me. I don't know why. And I feel like on paper, Warren Beatty rapping for a lot of a movie should be cringe. I, more so than it is. I, it, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was about, I was about to say, it, it, it should have been tr- cringe. Well, guess what it was? <laughs> <laughs> guess what it was for a good 45 minutes? Yeah, no. The thing with Warren Beatty that's so weird to me is that This is a guy who, like, he was a big star in, like, the 60s and the 70s. Like, huge. And he made so much money, he basically been like, all right, I'm just going to make my own films now. Right. And he's one of, like, three people that are able to just, like, say, I have enough money to be like, fuck it. Here's my story. Here's what I want to do. Like, he made Reds, which was apparently a huge movie in the 80s. It's this, I, I read up on the script of it. It's it's weird. It's like this American journalist gets involved in, like, the Russian Revolution. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, movies that shouldn't be made. But Warren <laughs> Beatty's like, I'm, I'm well, putting my what, money into it. That's what's fascinating to me, because knowing that when you find that out, 
like so that means at some point his brain went i need to make this movie that's a giant middle finger to the democratic party yeah. at the height of bill clintonism and the ins- medical insurance industry and it'd be best if i'm rapping through about half of this movie. <laughs> it'd be like, best if it's, it's like yeah I don't, this... like that was what he wanted to do it's just so bizarre to me it's... so to me just the fact this movie exists is just weird oh it's <laughs> like, so it's surreal so weird, right? it's so surreal and like this is definitely a film that it like if there were movies to remake definitely possibly would be up there <laughs> um, like keep the keep the whole social aspect of it keep all that stuff going with it just maybe less Warren Beatty rap we'll get into that in a second but like yeah this actually wasn't intended to be a political movie at first no this was not supposed to be a political movie the politics are very heavy ended <laughs> yeah no uh Warren Beatty initially wrote the story back in 92 off okay. the concept of a guy who's suicidal hires a hitman and then falls in love and now has to cancel this hit on him. And Interesting. As sort of like a from dark, there. yeah, dark romantic comedy. That makes sense that that's the starting point because it's a very specific idea in that movie, which I'm sure has been in other things. But to get into the movie, the opening scene to me, what I love, there, there, are, there are things about this movie were very made very competently. Like, oh yeah. The opening scene, the first like two minutes tells you so much. Yes. Like it really sets the stage for everything, and it's not. And that's my point is it's not subtle at all. They're like, here's this commercial. Here's Bill Clintonism. He's talking about welfare reform, blah, blah, blah. We're watching his commercial. He's doing like the fiscal, he's doing like a fiscal conservative The line they keep repeating is uh, uh, Americans don't want to, they want a hand up, not a hand out. Yeah. Is what he keeps saying. This is very Bill Clinton, welfare reform, all that. And then the next, then the next thing that happens is an insurance executive bribes him with to uh oh yeah well to kill any kind of to still kill some kind of social health program it's thing. that's yeah that that we'll get to paul servino in a millisecond <laughs> but that opening sequence where it's just like him having a mental breakdown this is how the movie starts right is just warren Beatty having a mental breakdown watching his own political campaign <laughs> yeah watching his own commercials yeah his just, new his new commercials because he's up for re-election where it's uh what's what's the line they go off on uh this is the almost the turn of the millennium oh uh, we're sitting on the doorstep of a new millennium i believe i've seen this movie a lot play it over and over (laughs) and over and he yeah there's scenes where he keeps yeah and yeah it's it's sort of that repetition of just like this like all right i'm and and they're showing pictures on the wall of like uh i forget exactly what it is Uh, oh but it's like very progressive robert 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 kennedy with like yeah it's there's like black leaders I think he has yeah. pictures of hanging um, up. It's to tell you, like this guy was a progressive. Thurgood Marshall was up there. Yeah. yeah, like some, yeah, some relevant names. Right, and it's sort of like this idea of like this, ooh, this hippie, like proto yippie, like yeah. leftist guy now turns into a corporate suit because he has all this investor money, and now he's just right. a he's he's watching this changed him into yeah into a piece of shit yeah very sad into a politician (laughs) yeah and so he has a mental breakdown he hasn't been sleeping for for days on end and this is where you we get introduced to jack warner who's kind of like his ward i thought warden i thought warden warden jack warden probably jack warden another old actor was in a lot of stuff most most people my age know him as the grandpa from problem child He's also the dad on uh, in Dirty Work. That's that's fair. <laughs> that's need. fair. And he was on one of Norm Macdonald's sitcoms, if not both of them. I don't. He was on one of them. The one that was on. The one that was on for a while. Uh, Norm. Yeah, just Norm. It was called the Norm Show, and then they changed it to Norm. I think Jack Warden. Yeah, you're right. Uh, this is actually, I think, like one of his last movies. Yep, Jack Warden plays a, a guy. 
He, <laughs> that's his character, basically. He's just this political staffer who he, just does his job pretty competently. Yeah, he, there's not much. There's not much to his character. I think he's, he's supposed to be like the money man, or at least like the like the campaign. He's financer. the guy who knows the hitman. Yeah. for some reason. That's that's sketchy. They're just friends, <laughs> but he doesn't know he's a hitman. I don't think. Yeah, they're just good friends. They're yeah. just good buds. <laughs> yeah, and he kind of has the running joke that he's like completely out of the loop throughout the yeah. entire situation, including like we'll get to it a little later when they go to a mansion, they leave them there overnight oh, yeah. because everybody just like goes, oh, just chaos and anarchy. But at this point, Bullworth is just done with everything. Paul Servino shows up to be the health insurance stooge. And that's when he tells him about pulling out like $10 million worth of yeah. life insurance. He offers him something much smaller and he, he has, tells me once 10, he won't budge. That's all. That's a lot of insurance. I can do five Paid million. to his daughter. And, uh, in exchange for him, uh, bottling up some bill in a committee and not letting it get anywhere that said that I believe he's, he says it's a bill. Yeah. He says it's a bill to give poor people life insurance. They can't afford it. Not life insurance, health insurance, health insurance. I believe. Yeah. They can't afford it. And I believe what some of the dialogue he says, uh, he goes, now you're thinking it's black people. He's like, I don't have a problem with black people. He's like, Michael Jordan. Uh, who's the other person? He says, Michael Jordan. He says, Michael uh, Jordan. He says like a singer. He goes, these people have jobs. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, it's not subtle. Very, very straightforward, very open about that. And also, this is back in the 90s where, like, his big fear is, ooh, single-payer health insurance, when now we're, like, fighting for literally free health insurance. Well, single-payer is just the same. I mean, Medicare for All is a single-payer program. Uh, yeah. But um, but that that is the first time I'd ever heard of such a thing. Yeah. <laughs> it was when I saw this movie at 18. Brain Brain blown. At that point, yeah, Servino was after I missed out on this completely. When Jack Warden and Bullworth were talking, we get introduced to literally the MVP of this movie, uh, which is oh, Oliver was Platt. Before that, no, he shows up for like five seconds. These, I forget the order of yeah, all these things. Yeah, Jack Warden, and then in the middle, Oliver Plath shows up. Who the Aside great from Bullworth, the only one who goes on a journey, a very, a movie. very powerful <laughs> journey. Yeah. Honestly, like every scene Oliver Plath is in, he just eats the scenery like it's just inedible. He just destroys it. And he plays sort of like the stooge. He's a staffer. Yeah, he's a he's staffer. He's like his head staff guy, I think. Who's been with him since like 88 or the 80s. Yeah. And he's like, you know, we got we got this. We, our numbers are low. Our numbers are low, but. Yeah, I think the, re, the re-election campaign struggling a little bit. Because he's going off on this new he like, give a conservative shit about it, like. tinge. <laughs> Yeah, basically, he's well, just he's also just checked out. Yeah, you know, he's he's set to put his like his life on the so line. He's, yeah, basically. I'm gonna die. they then then we meet the uh, I forgot the guy Vinny. Vinny, yeah. <laughs> oh, meet. Vinny, played wonderfully by. Do I have the name here? I don't know the guy from it. Uh, I don't. Oof. Oh, it's oh, uh, Richard C. Seraphon. Yeah, I don't know him from anything, but he's the he's the overweight. Struggling to breathe the uh, Italian something. I can assume he's Italian. <laughs> out out of breath, like he he's he's like an assassin for hire, but he acts like every single just like New York hustler broker. Just like <laughs> yeah, yeah. has like a hoagie sandwich in front of him. He's like, There's fucking weather. I can't do the other weather, you know, the fucking heat here. I can't deal with it. This, this is when it's revealed to us. So then he gives him an envelope, says does I forget how they phrase it. Oh, they it they was, keep calling it the weekend research project. Yeah. They don't no they no one says outright kill the guy. Yeah. At one point 
So then he's like, all right, so that's all right. He, he hands him, he hands hands. him the, the envelope because he has this weekend project for him, which is him wanting an assassination, a job done. And yeah. the whole time this guy's like, now listen, I'm a professional guy. I don't really care what's in the envelope. But before I do this, I need to know who's in the envelope. Yeah, I believe the exact <laughs> phrasing is uh, he goes, look, I don't want to know who this is. He says, he's like, you don't have to tell me who this is. I don't know who this is except for one thing. I got to know who this is. It's <laughs> <He's> like... <laughs> And then he, he goes, take a look. He pulls it out. It's a picture of Bullworth. Yeah. So our main character, Warren Jay Beatty. Jay Billington Bullworth, played by Warren Beatty. So he's he's hired a hitman to kill him, basically. Because he's suicidal. He can't handle this anymore. He just wants he it ha- He says to him, the way the scene ends, I believe, he says, if I'm not dead by Monday morning, I'll be stopping payment on that check. Or something like that. <laughs> and then smugly smiles afterwards. <laughs> yeah. We might have missed out on a few little things here and there before we get to L.A. All we're missing is like there was a press conference where they say that yes, the millennial this, you meet line, his wife and we meet his hatefully unlovable wife. Yeah. <laughs> Who's just they show up and they're like, oh, hey, what's up, Constance? And she's like, you have me waiting. You think I don't have <laughs> things to do? Yeah. Really? She makes oh. some comment about her daughter not wanting to see him because just because she's a teenager doing her own thing. <laughs> I have I have the line uh-huh. here. Uh, where was it? Yeah. Uh, what an empty, loveless marriage. I say, here's the line. She says, um, Bullworth asks, hey, where's our daughter? And she's like, she, she's 17. It's fine. And she's not mad at me. She's not mad. Just send her money. She's 17. <laughs> <laughs> and Damn. then they take the photo op and she immediately yeah, exits. She, she walks off left. the second. Uh, he tur- I think he turns to her to say like something as she just walks off. Yeah. I think he tries to say something nice. To- I- at this point, he's like. This is just all before we get to. The, I think yeah. in retrospect, I think he's like trying to say his goodbye to her almost because he's yeah. like, I'm never going to see this woman again. Exactly. And, and he yeah. tries to turn and like be friendly to her and she storms off. She just walks off. It's it's a nice uh, visual metaphor for the audience <laughs> to show. Yeah, this guy's life sucks. They tell you a lot in the first 15 minutes of this movie. <laughs> yeah, oh, 110 percent. And Warren Beatty knows how to set the table. Surprisingly <laughs> enough, because apparently writing this was pure hell. Uh, I have notes here. Yeah, I saw from, something about yeah, the, his, his writing it, partner was frustrated. Oh, super <laughs> frustrated. Well, the thing I have to say with Warren Beatty, because in order to understand this, Warren Beatty, while being one of the most interesting men in Hollywood and one of the most interesting people, just to be able to finance his own stuff and do his own things creatively, uh, he's also a bit of a prima donna prick. You know, most actors are. And this guy, who apparently uh, Jeremy uh, Perkster, yeah, Perkster, his writing partner on here, right? He basically stated that he hated it because he was just not being paid. They were waiting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they I were, saw that. They were. They had a deal with Warner Brothers after Warren uh, pitched this idea. They had a deal where for every draft they hand in, they'll get money off of it. And Jeremy has stated multiple times that uh, apparently Warren Beatty wasted months on just one draft. Right. Yeah, I did. Re- <laughs> I did read somewhere. He just kind of kept revising this one draft. So they just yeah, they would never get paid. <laughs> just dicking around, not getting paid. He Fine, was, what's Warren Beatty care? Yeah, because Warren, <laughs> Warren like, Beatty is made out of like just gold. He doesn't need that shit. So yeah, obviously there's a lot of frustrations there, and that's not the first time something like that's happened. Like again, the last movie Warren Beatty did was Dick Tracy. Actually, yeah, big gaps between movies. Yeah, at this period. Yeah, I guess still. 
Well, yeah, because he was sort of he had like sort of a rise during like the mid like the 80s was sort of where he was creatively still up there as well. Like the 70s was his peak. And then the 80s, he still had some control. And then by the 90s, I think it was sort of realizing that, yeah, you're like 45, man. Maybe don't be a leading actor anymore. Chill out. And I think he just couldn't accept that. And I think the failings of Dick Tracy, because Dick Tracy was a failure. I don't think it was a major financial success. I need to double check that. I don't remember people. Yeah, I don't know. It was a phenomenon. People were talking about it. Kids, anyway. I was a child. Yeah. It was. uh, Yeah. Like children were talking about it. You know, it was fucking promoted. I'll tell you that much. That's. I remember that. This movie, Bullworth, I had trouble. Me and my girlfriend at the time had trouble finding it in movie theaters. Like, it wasn't even showing places. Meanwhile, that's how much it didn't do well. (laughs) Dick Tracy was everywhere. Oh. Like, Dick Tracy was like the main screen everywhere when it came out and I think a lot yeah and I think that's sort of more of where the problem is is because they made enough money to make their budget back but the amount (laughs) of money they spent on advertising and marketing and I think that also had its own soundtrack and like a Madonna did the soundtrack Madonna I think she did the whole she might have done the whole soundtrack yeah Uh, she's in the movie I know and she shouldn't have but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, her and a very non-caring Al Pacino. That's another. That song. That song was successful too. It was on the radio a lot, but you don't hear it anymore. You don't hear Ghetto Superstar anymore either. But, <laughs> but uh, that you still hear Madonna songs, but not that one. The greatest. The I don't remember what it was. Time Ghetto Superstar. <laughs> Uh, after these smaller scenes, he runs into Vinny, and then we get our, our plot summary, the assassination attempt. Then we smash cut to airplane landing in LAX, and then his staffer team follows him. And this starts the recurring joke of loud bangs happening around Warren Beatty, and he <laughs> right, gets nervous. Right. <laughs> right. In the airport, they show him walk. He tries to walk like ahead of everybody and then away from everybody. Like, I think he's, he tries to walk ahead of everybody, so, so he's thinking, like, where's this guy going to shoot me from? I'll give him a clean shot, I guess, yeah. is what he's doing. Because he keeps trying to, and everybody keeps catching up with him, and then he'll stop and yeah. try to. It's the. He's it's, doing a lot of weird shit. And then, yeah, every now and then there's a bang. There's a bang, or there's a loud noise, or something falls over, and he's like, ah, oh, I gotta go, I gotta go. <laughs> then there's that weird little, like, tinge of, like, oh, there's just a cholo in the corner that pops out, and he gets nervous about him being the assassin. I forgot about that part. Yeah. I don't remember. And then they all run off, all while Oliver Platt the whole time is like, well, he's sir- talking. He's giving him the rundown of what they're doing the whole time. For the whole week. And is just yeah. ignoring him. Yeah, because he's just like, I just, where's the bullet? Where's the tower? Where's the gun? Where's <laughs> right. the tower? And then as they're walking out, Vinny's on a, like a bench being like, ah, oh, he's here. This guy's a fucking lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they get outside, and now he's surprised by, uh, I write here, uh, hello, Sean Astin, and uh, the rest of the film crew that showed up. Yeah, CN, I, I don't know if it's CN, it's I don't, probably not mentioned as C-SPAN? CN. C-SPAN, yes. It's one. Is, it's C-SPAN is following the campaign for the weekend. Yeah. And he doesn't know. And Sean Aston Scott is uh, the cameraman. Oh, good old, good old Rudy. Who later there's a few <laughs> moments of his I like. I, but yeah. He doesn't do much in this movie, but he... he... Which is really weird, because, like, wasn't Rudy, like, at least uh, 94, right? Uh, this was after Rudy, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So it's <laughs> yeah, like, he was why... Rudy. Why was I he still just... call him Rudy and everything, but, it, yeah... He just probably wanted to work with Warren Beatty or something. It's probably like a dream or something. You know, it, was, it feels like one of those roles that they would give. Like we're gonna probably bring it up a little bit later, but in um when we talk about like the box office and whatnot in films that were released at that time, but it reminded me of like you remember uh, Fear and Loathing where they had like Tobey Maguire no. as like <laughs> I don't remember they that had, at all. 
awesome movie, one of my favorite films. I've of seen all time, it, but, but I don't remember. I saw it like once. But they had like in the beginning, they had this small hitchhiker character that looked like all drugged out and like with a super receding hairline. That was Tobey Maguire. Okay. So it feels like one of those. It feels like a role that Tobey Maguire, young Tobey Maguire, should have probably had. <laughs> right. Is what I'm trying to get at. That or like Topher Grace. And yeah. the woman, and the newswoman in the truck is a. Uh, What's her face? I, I forgot her name it, all of a sudden. Right from Roseanne. Here. Sister on Roseanne. From Roseanne. Fuck's her real name. I know it. Da, da, da. Lori Metcalf. Lori Metcalf is in this. Again, way too big an actress for that part. This is well after And Roseanne. Wendell Pierce. Yes. They are, they're, yeah. They're, that's two the huge actors. <laughs> and these part, they must, if they have four minutes of dialogue between them, I'd be shocked. Oh, yeah. They cut to them in the van a few times for jokes, basically. Yeah, just for a little bit of ha Because then like, we'll get, yeah. We'll get to that a little bit later, but... Yeah. I thought that might be Wendell Pierce looking back. I, I never looked it up. I meant to. And I'm like, isn't that Wendell Pierce? Because, uh, yeah, he doesn't like, he must, if he has a paragraph of dialogue, I'd be shocked. He, <laughs> he has maybe like four sentences. I don't even know who he was back then. I don't know him from much. I don't know. Yeah. I definitely didn't know who I was then. But Laurie Metcalf's a huge star at this point. Oh, yeah. At, at least with and just this Roseanne, tiny, what, was on like season five? Roseanne might have been over 98. It's so, close. It might, maybe not. But it was getting towards the end. So that's like, yeah, that's weird. That's weird. It's like this gang. But that's of what like, I'm saying. Like with her, with Rudy and with her, like, I think there's people like, I want to work with Warren Beatty. That would be a big deal. I yeah. Guess. Or he just overpays her, but maybe he wanted them and overpaid them. I that, don't know. That too. When that we get to the soundtrack, well. I've been a tidbit about that that I found too. Hell which yeah. you probably discovered also. But, Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> is the church the first stop? That was the first stop. They is get the, into the limo and he's like bugging out because Sean Astin has his camera in his face. And yeah, he had no the, idea the press was going to be following him the entire yeah, weekend. Yeah, because now he's worried like, oh, I'm going to take a bullet on national TV. That's what's <laughs> going to happen right now. Great. It's not. I've never been clear on what exactly he's worried about. Like if it's just freaking him out. Because so at this point, he hasn't slept in like three days. That too. So like he's going crazy and he uh, he's supposed to be losing his mind. Guy, yeah, obviously, but sleep deprived. I'm not entirely sure what if he's worried someone else is going to get shot or he doesn't want it on the television. I don't really understand. I think what, I think uh, he's not he's not trying to have a uh, a Bud Dwyer moment. I think he's not trying to aim for that. I think he's just aiming that for um he he was expecting it just to be like a private thing. He didn't know he's going to be airing on national yeah. TV. So now there's just higher stakes. Probably he's probably also worried about it getting hard. I don't know. Anyway. So it doesn't uh, it's matter. Things, things. Well, they go to a church in South Central. I believe it's South Central. Yep. At the church point. in South Central. Uh, they walk in, and this entire scene, this entire sequence. This is when the movie Somebody, really starts uh, go, uh, starts making a making a run. This is yeah. when he starts putting up shots. This is when it's yeah. This, this is when Warren this Beatty. He's not even from Steph Curry range yet. He is <laughs> he is chucking up shots at this point. He's he's getting some lines in. I don't know how to phrase it other than just casual '90s racism. But uh, <laughs> we get to the church, and he's supposed to deliver this speech that Oliver. One of the better jokes in this movie, I will say. When they get to the podium and he and Oliver Platt's like, I hope he tells this speech. I wasted a lot of time on this speech. It's a really good speech. And he's just like, uh, we have reached the doorstep of a new millennia of. Yeah, he shuffles the papers, looks ahead. Yeah. OK, what do you want? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, 
proceeds to tell the the black congregation that they don't he doesn't really care about them that basically. they don't matter because they don't right funnel. that they don't matter because he didn't they say like so you're telling us that you came he starts they they start asking him questions like a woman stands up and just starts uh, asking him asking you promised about, us something I can't remember yeah, what, help um, of some sort insurance uh like an insurance building or like I don't remember what her specific point is it's like you came down and promised this what happened and he goes. Well, you know, we came down, told you we want to hear, and then forgot about you. And then, like, they, and, and this starts is compl- like, oh, that's a burn. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, so they start, everybody's getting mad at him. And then yep. uh, he says to them. Uh, and then um, this is when it starts to get to, like, the, I, I can see where Warren Beatty's coming from, but this stuff does not age that no, well. No, this scene, pro- <laughs> the dialogue in this scene ages, has not aged great. Yeah. Because then he says. Um, he says something about, I'm like, trying to remember the next thing he says. He tells them, like, hey, you're not, you know, they say, you're telling the, just the Democratic Party doesn't care about blah, blah, blah. And he goes, well, you haven't really contributed anything to my campaign or something like that. Yeah, which is which and is then, fine. And then beyond which again, that point. 18 years old in the theater. This is the first time that idea had ever been put in my brain. That politicians lie Yeah, and I just never really thought that. And yeah. then, well, no, I knew they lied. But just, just, I don't know, the power dynamic of political funding never entered my brain before this moment, probably. Oh, 110%. I would, I would, I would guess. All right, I don't know. Maybe it, I don't know. In any case, they're yelling at him, and he goes, hey, look, if you don't get behind somebody other than a running back who stabs his wife, you're never going to get rid of a guy like me. That's the line that doesn't age great. That Well, well, no, that, that line was, yeah, that line was yikes. I was, there was the line before that where I think it was something like maybe if you put down the fried chicken. Oh, there's chicken something about putting the, down the watermelon oh, fried chicken or and something I was like, like that. Jesus Christ. Yeah, at that point, I don't know why he's so, because here's the thing. This character is not supposed to be racist, but for some reason he goes over the top racist in this speech. In this when speech. He, when he decides to let loose because he's going to die soon. And for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why it takes that turn. It's For weird. some reason, this congregation, like the majority of like like the black people in the building are like, holy God, what the hell? But then some of them are like, yeah, this guy's got a point. Yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah, so I then, should stop eating fried chicken. It's like, what are you I believe this about? is when Albert Platt pulls the fire alarm in the church, yep. right? Yep. To get to end this debacle. Because he's just like, oh, this is pain. This is, this but, is going to end us. And they're pulling him off. I believe that's when he says that felt good, right? Oh, yeah. That's when Warren Beatty goes that, which is weird because I don't know why he, to the, it seems like the character is being intentionally racist in that moment yeah. to me. To cause as much a commotion as he can. To cause a problem. But then he says that felt good as if that felt good to get off my chest or something. It's like a weird, <laughs> it's a weird moment. But this is the turning point where he's going to be, now he's going to be a truth teller. Oh, he's going to, yeah, he's going to be <laughs> shooting facts no matter what. I mean, shockingly enough, this isn't even the most problematic thing he said that night. We're going to get to the next part. So uh, then he goes to meet uh, uh, well, donors from the world of Hollywood, right? Before we or get to that, before we get to that. The, everybody's leaving the church and everyone's like, there's no fire that happened in the church. What's going right. on? As like Warren Beatty gets shoveled in and we were introduced to, I don't remember their names. I'm not sure they get names. They kinda, Halle Berry's friends. Halle Berry's friends. <laughs> Halle Berry's Halle, in the church. And Halle Berry. I don't Berry. remember what the hell was her name. Um, Nina. Nina. Nina's friends. Nina and Nina's friends. Nina's friends come up to Warren Beatty being like, oh, you're famous. Oh, that's, yes, that's when, all this that's when all this happens. <laughs> yeah. This is where the first M-bomb in the movie comes in, too. Yeah, they ask for jobs. They're, like, asking what's going on. They just run up to the limo for some reason. Yeah. It's never really clear why they're like this. They're just kind of It's just, they're just, they're. <laughs> they're just some wild chicks, the, man. The, the, the term, I'm not sure if I'm crossing the line here. Um, The term ratchet comes to mind. <laughs> I guess. This is before that was really a term. 
Yeah. They're just supposed to be nuts, I guess. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Or like then, or like fame hungry. Or like, yeah, yeah, they just see the limo and re- they get in the limo, I believe. They do. They do. Or is that later? Is that after the other stop? That's, yeah, no, that's, that's a after bit the later. other stop. That's a little bit they, later. Yeah. He, they say we'll volunteer. He he asks them to sign up with the second and the guy who's behind Oliver Platt in command. Yeah. It's like his, like, uh, the guy who's following unit. him around. Yep. I don't know. His, I don't remember the his stooge, name. The yeah, stooge. The other stooge. The other stooge. But he, he's, Oliver Platt's clearly the higher ranking stooge. Oh, yeah. He's the, <laughs> he's this, the big uh, boy stooge. They He tells him, he goes, sign them up. They want to volunteer. Then he sees Nina, Nina Halle played Berry, played by a by, by a thirty two year old Halle Berry. I looked this up because one of the few things that was a it was mildly controversial at the time was the not the racial mixing, but the age difference, age difference between yeah. Warren Beatty and Halle Berry did did cause some like Holly was disgusting. You blah, 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 blah. older is, actress is, could never, and it's not wrong. To be fair, yeah, totally correct. <laughs> the reverse doesn't happen. Also, too, but not, it's more about society than Hollywood. To be honest, oh, exactly. Yeah, this is a this is a larger issue movie. That being said, to be fair we'll get to it later but they have like no the, chemistry the romance they part of this no- movie is completely absurd oh absolutely <laughs> that's absurd. what i realized watching this last night the most obnoxiously absurd but, but anyway um, so he, he sees sally berry he sees sally berry Halle supposed Berry's to be very like, young she's 32 in real life she's in supposed movie. to be 20 26 or something yeah she says it later in a key scene yeah and she's like yo and he's just doing the white she goes yo and he goes yo yo yo, yo, yo. yo. and then she yo, goes yo. later and he goes i was hoping for sooner sooner and, and then, then her brother Brother jumps in front Isaiah of Washington. <laughs> Who is he from? He's some um, uh, uh, Grey's Anatomy. Okay, he was big in Grey's Anatomy. But I also talked about him on episode one of Bombed, talking about Clockers. Okay, well, he's he's clockers. also a more well known. He's a well. He was like a well known, yeah. really well known actor, at least in this period. Of Again, time. too big an actor for this part. Yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> like, too big. A lot of that in this movie. Oh, <laughs> wait until we get to Don Cheadle. <laughs> Oh, Don, we'll this talking. might be the first movie I ever saw Don Cheadle in, to be yeah. honest with you. I'm pretty sure. This, this was my reference point for who Don Cheadle was. Anyway, we're way not there. <laughs> this was we're nowhere near Don Cheadle. But, um, yeah, no, uh, Isaiah Washington playing, uh, playing Nina's, Nina's brothers, brother. Who's kind of the fuck up, but He's not a drug. Really. We don't find this out just yet, but he's a drug. He, he owes a big-time drug dealer a lot of money. Oh, yeah. And uh, he fucks something up and with the drug dealer. His his character is just angry man. Yeah, that he says you macking on my sister or something, and she pulls him away or something. Yeah, there was that. And he goes mac. He's still stu- He's fascinated with the word macking for for a minute or two. Exactly. With he's on C-SPAN when they're traveling to the next spot. <laughs> C-SPAN's recording him, and and the. I don't remember. Is the person interviewing him? No, it's Oliver Platt. I think. It was Oliver Platt. It's like explaining. Being like, so we're gonna go see. Uh, well, they're on their gonna, way. We're gonna go see the function at uh, at this person's mansion. They're on the way to a mansion in Hollywood to see Hollywood executives, basically. Basically, yeah. And uh, the whole time he's just going macking. Macking on my Mackin, sister. What's macking on my sister? He's just like he's not. He's <laughs> never heard it? this before. And 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 he's delirious at this point. Oh yeah. And at this point, Oliver <laughs> Oliver Plath is like, you know what? You know, it'd be a good idea. We're gonna just we're gonna follow you. You will go into the C-SPAN truck. You have the limo yeah, to they yourself. Get, they somehow get the camera out of the car. I think. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. There was something where like, oh, I think he like swore on TV, or he's just like, no one gives a fuck about this or some shit. <laughs> I don't remember. And 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 Oliver Plath is like, you know what? Hold on, let's pull over on. <laughs> One second, we'll we'll follow you. So they drive off to the to the mansion while Bullworth, Warren Beatty's like, you know what? I'm hungry. Let's get some. That's fried right. They chicken. put him alone in the other uh, limo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, he stops at KFC, I believe. KFC, it's KFC, yep. right? 
and smash cut to the most surly human beings on the face of the planet in this mansion being like, where is Bullworth? We're waiting for Bullworth. And Oliver Plath is like, well, he's very busy. I don't want to bring anything up. It's about the West Bank. Ooh, (laughs) the West Bank. All these guys are Jewish. Not orthodox, but Hollywood rich guy Jewish stereotypically. I'm assuming based on real people because Warren Beatty would know Hollywood. Oh, certainly. But it's not anti-Semitically presented. Or is it? I don't know. You well, think it is? I, they don't look uh, like they don't look like. Uh, it's not like the guys in like Passion of the Christ or something. They're, oh, they're normal looking. Exactly. Rich, they're yeah. normal looking businessmen. Yeah, they're normal. But they're clearly people. inferred to be Jewish, which is what the West Bank thing is supposed is, to uh, be. Is which to be in so. retros, which shows you how times have changed. Because now Hollywood, if you like, tried some pro-Israel shit. I don't think that's the move in Hollywood right now. The oh, left has moved far. Not, yeah. Back then, everyone just supported Israel. I mean, I mean <laughs> like, uh, depending on which branch, like neo-lib, I'd, I'd feel like Bullworth would still be like a pro-Israel lobbyist guy. But like real that's what leftists I'm there wasn't, would be yeah. like, nah. Yeah. But it's interesting that they he would believe Bullworth. Well, I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Because Bullworth is a sellout at this point and as functionally, no matter what's in his heart. <laughs> functionally, he's functionally, a sellout he's a sellout in Congress at this point. Absolutely. Or in the Senate. But um, he eventually gets to this um, mansion party, gets introduced to Halle Berry and his and her ratchet friends again. I don't. Yeah. And <laughs> who they're are now they're valets. They're, they're valets for at the mansion because the mansion they just party. hired these random girls from South Central to valet park in the Hollywood, <laughs> exactly. in the Hollywood Hills. It's, no, and they're volunteering. It's not even for money. They're just doing it. That's what they say when they open the limo. They're like, hey, check it out. We're volunteering or something like that. <laughs> if it wasn't for the plot twist that happens later, none of this stuff makes sense with Halle Berry and her friends. No, <laughs> it makes it. It's very confusing upon first watch. Just to be like, how did you how did you travel? Why? I don't I. Mm, how close is Compton to West Hollywood? <laughs> so then he caught another commotion is caused. Oh, they yeah. Borth shows up. He's just eating like a maniac. Just yeah, shoveling his face with like crab cakes and crab rangoon. Well, that's the one joke they make. He so he shocks all the executives by uh, they. He tells them their movies stink, basically. Yeah, because they start. Which I didn't even think of till just the second. That's Warren Beatty telling Hollywood your movies stink, and that's yeah. In that moment that he finances himself. Literally, Warren Beatty in that movie is saying, "You guys know what the fuck you're doing." Oh, exactly. He's really saying that to Hollywood in this scene. 110%. Again, I, not subtle. Yeah, because some, some <laughs> Hollywood executive is like, yeah, we're really worried. Are you going to put any legislation in place over violent content? Do you have any issues with our violent content? Yeah, they're with, worried about being regulated for violence. For stuff. violence. And he's just like, he's I just, don't care if it's too violent. He it's, says you make violent movies, you make dirty movies, but they're all just not very good is the problem. They're it's just like, all spend bad. all this money, they're all shit. And then everybody's shocked. And then he turns to the one woman and he goes, listen, you be honest with me and don't spare my feelings. Do you have any more of those crispy crab cakes? And then it cuts to the girls crashing Mercedes and stuff outside. <laughs> and breaking everything. That's a big laugh moment. And that joke's not good, but it crutches me off guard every time I watch the movie. I don't know how. Every last time. And then um, they're they're breaking all the cars outside. And then we cut back. And this is where we get into a little bit more of the yikesy stuff. He basically is just like, yeah, you know, like I usually get my top advisors. They're all the best Jews in Hollywood. Oh, yeah, I skipped that part. He goes, my guys aren't dumb. They always put the big Jews on my schedule. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I and- forgot. Which, by the way, that line in the commercial for the movie. <laughs> that was not like that line was in the trailer and the the spot that played on tv all the time there was a very short commercial 
yeah. that was like couldn't have been more than 20 seconds long that I remember seeing a lot. It wasn't advertised a lot. Yeah. The, the ghetto superstar blowing up was the big was the was big, the big thing, advertisement, really. But the the movie, big advertisement. I don't remember campaign. seeing a lot of commercials for the movie, but the one you would see all the time was a real short spot, and that line was in that short spot. Which just so, shows anti-Semitism. <laughs> totally cool. <laughs> totally. Bueno. It was interesting. It was weird that that was a choice, that, that they went with that in the advertising. Yeah, it's it's weird. I think. That's how I remember it. It's so I didn't look weird. up any of the trailers or anything. So, yeah, so now he leaves the Hollywood mansion. Leaves this function. They're all mad. I guess he just voluntarily leaves, if I remember correctly. They're, yeah, they are all heated. They're just I remember very mad at him. Another, another line I put in here um, from Oliver Plath. He said, uh, after that meeting, let Bob Dole put that in his pipe and smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> just to get how, how timely this movie is. Yes. Well, this was after he lost the presidency. Cause yeah. Because it's just the middle of Clinton's second term. Yeah. Clinton beat Bob Dole's second time around. Um, I used to, I don't remember why, just because I was 16 and insane. Yeah. I made like flyers at home with my computer that said like, or maybe I was 17. So like Bob Dole for king of the world or something. <laughs> and I distributed them around my high school and uh, before this movie came out <laughs> in oh, like sure. 97. After the election was well over. Oh, yeah. I did this. Just I don't know get why. Bob Dole. Was Bob Dole just like the OG I liked Jeb Bob Bush? Dole because of Norm Macdonald's impression, I think. <laughs> I think that's all it was. Norm Macdonald played Bob Dole in Saturday Night Live. Oh, shit. And uh, you probably didn't even know that. There I, no did classic, not, I did not. I'm, there's not a lot of classic sketches with doing it. Norm Macdonald was Bob Dole, and I think that's why I uh, thought Bob Dole was just a funny thing. The, the most hilarious person in just the world. Just a funny <laughs> figure to me. But um, He's just so boring. And the, all, the whole impression is just Norm Macdonald. Hey, because Bob Dole like, spoke in third person like one time, yeah. so SNL just ran with that. It was oh, like, yeah. this is Bob Dole saying, vote for Bob Dole. You're, you know, it was just a lot of that. This is Bob Dole, vote for Bob Not, Dole. this is Bob Dole, just Bob Dole thinks that whatever, you know. You should a lot vote of that. for Bob Dole. Do a lot of Bob speaking Dole. in third person. Oh, but anyway. I'm, yeah, so um, at this point, yeah, they're all leaving. They leave Jack Warden at the, at the mansion as they speed off because – uh, Halle Berry and her friends are just like. So now ah. they're in the limo with Bullworth. Yeah, because they're like, we got fired. We need a ride. And Oliver Plath's like, do not give them a ride. And Bullworth is like, yes, come yeah, in. Bullworth sure, invites them into the limo because he's just rolling with everything at this oh, point. Oh, absolutely. He's just, uh, he's on a mission to just piss off everyone and die <laughs> at this point. It's the goal. Burnt, scorched earth policy. Yeah. And so they get inside and they're driving off. They leave Jack Warnin at the uh, at the mansion. And as they're driving, they're driving off. And this is when like like Halle Berry's friends just start going off about like, oh, you know, Frankie's dick or like they were they're talking about their about friend it. who slept with somebody and they know he's got a big dick. Blah, blah, blah. But they don't mention it as a big dick. It's all they slang. Say some other slang. And they he's say, just um, there, like, I don't they mean well, Nappy dick. dugout is in there but that doesn't mean dick but yeah at one point Boris burts out dick i think they say it's jimmy his jimmy he's I like think, you're talking about his which dick. by the way that's about his dick you know i made a big i made a big point about how authentic this movie kind of is for the time in a weird way but jimmy was well was jimmy so slang jimmy was old hip-hop slang for dick I think that slang might be a little outdated. I think the only time I've, I've realized Jimmy was slang for Dick was uh, Austin Powers when they <laughs> okay. brought it up as like the, the maybe it was that's gone. a giant Johnson. And yeah, so uh, I think that's what they say. And then uh, yeah, at one point he goes, "You mean he puts it all together?" So then, uh, as he's trying to figure it out, as Oliver Plath is like, "How do I get rid of these?" Women? And Halle Berry's being really standoffish while they're having a good old time talking to everybody. Oh, exactly. And then somehow they decide we're going to go to the club. Yeah, they end up at they the club. They convince Bullworth they want to. He's he. I guess he asks where can they go 
He wants to party. Yeah, I think they're like, we're going to Frankie's, and he's like, yeah. no, we got to go. And Oliver Plath is like, we got to go to the hotel. We got to go to the hotel. Yeah, and he's like, some let's go like, to no. Frankie's, and he's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go to Frankie's. He's like, we're going to Frankie's. They go into Frankie's, and they, the scene they go through a metal detector. Well, actually, before they I, say check your weapons or bef- something. Before we get to that, I, um, I, I have a note right here that says, uh, "Hello, Michael Clark Duncan," because oh, yeah, he's yeah. the bar, he's the bouncer at front. Yeah, because yeah. there's this weird running gag where like Sean Aston is. The camera guy and every place they go to, security's like, no, you can't, you can't, you yeah. can't go through here. And then somehow Bullworth is like, come on, he's a good <laughs> dude, let him in. And somehow he just worms his way through. I think they make the camera stay outside. They don't let the camera in the club. I don't think. I don't. Yeah, that's fair. I don't think they one. film any yeah. of that. But then uh, there's the scene at the metal attack. He's like weapons. And he goes, I don't think we have any weapons. And then the girls like. Each have like several handguns. And, and he's believe. just standing there in shock yeah. as the security's like, Were you expecting any trouble tonight? And he's like, I don't, I, I didn't know. Also, forgot to mention, uh, the magical homeless person. Oh, yeah, we totally <laughs> skipped over him. As they get to the, the club and before, after he sees Michael him Clark outside Duncan. the church initially, I think. Yeah. And the I guy, didn't realize he that. He gives him a big smile. And I know the saying he keeps repeating, and I don't remember if he says it in the beginning, but his whole thing is that uh, don't you be can't. A, you be ha- a spirit. No, you have don't to be, be a spirit. A ghost. You can't be a ghost. Be a, be, be a spirit. Don't so be I a think ghost. he sees him again or something yeah. before they get to the. I think he sees him outside the next stop, potentially. Yes. I don't remember. And he tells him the spirit must ascend through song. He makes that point several times. Oh, uh, which. <laughs> which Borth seems to take. As. I'm going to talk in rhymes for the next 45 minutes. He starts minutes. rapping in the club when he's looking for Nina. He starts and rhyming to ra- himself. Ra- rapping. Stop. Stop. <laughs> rapping is an insult to the art of rap. He starts talking like a Dr. Seuss character. Yeah, effectively. <laughs> like, where do I find Nina? I need to go get Nina. Where do I go? How do you do? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna that's be basically what it scoobily is. do. That's all he's been doing the with whole little, time. With slightly less rhythm than what you just did. Oh, oh way, way less <laughs> rhythm. And I had no rhythm. There's a great scene <laughs> like, where Oliver Platt's standing there in the club and bumps into this uh, black woman. He's just like, I'm sorry. And she's like, I'm sorry. She goes, sorry. Yeah, you sorry. You a sorry motherfucker, aren't you, motherfucker? Yeah, back away, you sorry motherfucker. And this woman's amazing. She, she's, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's an actress. I don't know if that's like. Think, she seems too perfect to be like. <laughs> like this seems like someone they just shot in this club, and she was there, and they're like, "Can you do this?" That's how it comes seconds, up. Yeah. Bra- if she is it an actress, bravo, because she pulls off <laughs> like just girl not having weird white guy in the club bumping into her perfectly. Top tier. Top <laughs> tier. This is this nightclub. There's so many things to bring up. There's I didn't write it down, but uh, where they get to the bartender and the bartender's like, oh, I know you. Oh, yes. You're Clint Eastwood. No, no, no. It's George Hamilton. <laughs> no, it's George Hamilton. George Hamilton's <laughs> a running joke in this as well. Yeah. He goes, you know who this is? He's like, who? He's like, that's George Hamilton. He's like, George Hamilton here? He's like, yeah, what you do? What's going on, George? I forget. How you doing? I forget what he says. He asks him a weird question, and I forget. But then, and then at one point, they show you see a guy snorting coke off the bar, and this and is there's Oliver a foreshadowing. Is just... Oliver Platt's like at eye level of the bar, just <laughs> wide eyed, like, st- like I'm so shocked. And then like takes the residue, puts it in yes, his lip, I forgot and just about falls that. Falls in love, falls in love yet again. But he, uh, so um, this one, Oliver Platt's starting to get very worried. Yeah. He's already worried, but now he he's starting to worried. get really fucking. This is the the. This is, he's getting concerned. Yeah, and and by get concerned, he gets into like a hyper, like a hyper intense like mini rant, being like, "I don't know what you're doing, going to a, going to the church and saying what you said, going and insulting." He's like, hyper- he says, "Could you explain this new strategy to me?" And at one point, he's like, "I don't understand going to the black 
neighborhood and telling them the Democratic Party doesn't care with them. And then when we see in our other, I forget how he phrased it, but he, I remember the phrase, he goes, weed. you see it fit to mock their Jewish paranoia. <laughs> and then he goes, and, and he ends the rant with, and you're smoking marijuana. And Bullworth uh, blows a big puff of weed in his face. <laughs> yeah. And, he's and it's like, something like, live out. your life. Chill out a bit. Have a good time. He says, some, he says you're young. Live your life or something like yeah. that. And Oliver Plath is like, how, how do I do like, that? The fuck's I don't know. And um, t- I, before that speech, though, I think he turns to his underling. And I just always remember this part. He goes, I don't know. He's, he's rhyming now. He's, what? <laughs> he's, he's, he's speaking he's in rhyme. He's rhyming. It's very disconcerting. <laughs> I forgot before about he goes that. on the ramp. That line's so good because he says that, and then they're like, "Oh, guys, how are you? Here's a plate of ribs." Yeah, yeah. He walks up and hands him a plate of wings or something. This is also the moment where you were mentioning earlier, where Isaiah Washington is like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" I He's swear that scene it. comes happens outside. It happens but I could literally be right after Oliver Plath bumps into the woman at the club, like right, right after. <laughs> But they have that 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 discussion there, and but like, then Don Cheadle shows up to the club, I believe. So Nina's Don, like Nina has her brother sneak out the back door. Oh, Don Cheadle! Because Don Cheadle is looking for her brother. Yeah, Don Cheadle's a very successful drug dealer of some sort. A very successful. <laughs> he like he's in very nice suits the entire it, movie. It feels like Don. Which is how drug dealers look. Dress. I. Who, Man, I love Don Cheadle, but I feel like this was a role where it's like, man, we couldn't really get Omar Epps, could we? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll just I don't get know, Don I Cheadle. I don't know much about Don Cheadle at this time. I, this is the first time I think I've ever seen him. I think he was he was he had to be doing like some stuff early he on. He must have been. Oh, he did uh colors early okay. on. Okay. With never uh seen like Sean Penn and um Robert Duvall. Oh, it's uh that that film's pretty good. I know I know what it is. Uh, but he was he was doing like a lot of like TV stuff. I think he he was also in Hamburger Hill, the Vietnam movie. He was doing like bit parts here and there. So this is very much before Don Cheadle became Don. Yeah, this is Cheadle. well before uh, like uh, uh, what's the fucking. This is not Hotel Rwanda. This is before Don War Cheadle. Machine. This is before <laughs> War Machine. Way before. Way before War way Machine. Yeah. So uh, Don Cheadle. Yeah, he's coming in with the most intimidating death squad imaginable. Yeah, he rolls with big dudes. Big, big, scary dudes. And him with like his. Who, like, they walk right through the metal detector, and it just goes it's crazy, and they don't stop him because he runs this fucking. But you know who they do stop? He runs this fucking town. You know who they do stop? They stop this the other... most suspicious paparazzi <laughs> yes. man on the face. Well, of the planet. we don't know who he is. We don't know who. He's a is very at first. suspicious trench coat, sunglasses man. <laughs> Who Where I think it, we probably see before this point. He's wearing, not, yeah, he, like right outside of. We see the him place. standing outside, and yeah. Borth's very nervous about this guy. Assume is clearly assuming this guy's the hitman. Oh, big big assumption. They him don't, in his members only jacket. He keeps like, reaching his jacket too. Yeah, the whole and time. You, he gets stopped at the metal detector right after Don Cheadle. But until it's later revealed, spoiler alert: he's just paparazzi. <laughs> right. But he's the most intimidating paparazzi. I think he's, he's so the, the yeah the level of how suspicious he's acting is very. Goofy. Oh, he's yeah. He, if if it wasn't for that, you're pretty sure he'd be like Ralph. Like Zip you know the Simpsons crew. joke where it's like the dog can look like this, so they know he's evil. You know what I'm talking about? An episode <laughs> yeah. of the Simpsons where he's pitching a movie to Mel Gibson, I think, or Ron Howard, I forget. Oh, but boy. uh that it's that level of silly how suspicious this guy is. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, super suspicious. Like almost obnoxious. Oh, very suspicious. <laughs> then this is where Don Cheadle, Isaiah Washington, runs out, and Don Cheadle is just like. Your brother owes me money, Nina. The only reason why he's not dead right now is because he's your brother, Nina. Which is never explained why he has a loyalty to her. 
why that matters is never explained. I don't know. I think they might have been like it could have been like a former lovers thing. Maybe I don't know, it's never possibly. explained why uh, or why that why she has pull with him or she might have been but, like running stuff. Well, yeah. we'd find out later what Nina's involved in. But oh yeah, it's never. I don't. But it's not. I don't think it's that. So maybe it is. Maybe it somehow ties to that. I don't know. Who knows? But anyway, think this is the point. Say so. Then they leave the club. They don't leave the club. They're still at the club. Bullworth stays at the club all night and DJs. Oh, yeah. Or he's, he's playing with the turntables. I do want to mention, before we get to the turntables, I don't have this as a note, but Bullworth dancing with oh, yes. Nina. And they did, what was the fuck, that Xenomorph dance where they're both like sticking their flicking tongues their tongue. out? Halle Berry's flicking, flicking her tongue around at an inhuman speed. <laughs> Dan- I forgot about this whole part. Yeah, they're da- they yeah. they it's uh she's flirting with Bullworth on the dance floor and yeah, and by time. that I mean like she's very muted physically, well f- facially, but physically she's like playing she's along, flipping doing- her tongue around like yeah. it doesn't make any sense. But then they just all of a sudden they're just in love and they're just doing like these flirty tongue dances, and the whole time it's like, first off, how is that a dance? What is this dance? <laughs> I don't know. What is this like? <laughs> Never seen it in my life any other place but that scene. To a, yeah, no. If some if people are doing that kind of dance at clubs, I never want to go to that club I, ever I was, again. I was too young for the club at the time. Maybe it was a big thing. I don't know. Probably was huge. Who knows? It's tiring. You could try it one day. Just try to move your tongue to this. Oh, this is uh, to point out. Most of the soundtrack is in the club scenes. <laughs> There's the, their dance. It oh, is. Yeah. It, most of it's in there. There's a that part where they're dancing. At one point, it it's gets to the tongue part. Yeah. It's just cutting. It's just smash cut, different song, smash cut, different, different song, song, smash cut, different, different song. song. A lot of the soundtrack's crammed into this scene. I, I real, yeah, I noticed that when like, like 10 yeah, songs are in the scene. Ghetto Superstar is in it. And then I think like the, the RZA track is on there. The Capadonna um, song's definitely Capadon- in it somewhere. The Capadonna song, one of two songs that wasn't on the Spotify release when I was trying no, to listen to this. That's on, I don't know why, because I think that album. Album, that's also that's another one that's not an original song. It's from Capadonna's album at the time, and that album I'm pretty sure on Spotify, so it's bizarre. But that is so weird. I think it. Oh, you know what? Yeah, it definitely is because there's songs from that album I listen to all the time. It's one of those things where for some reason Spotify does this and it irritates me. Where they like if there's a duplicate song, they'll eliminate the older version and put in like the newer stuff by artist request. That album didn't used to be on Spotify. It's possible because yeah. like the artist, that way the plays don't go to the Boris soundtrack. They go to Capadonna. They go to Capadonna, which is, song. But anyway. which is smart. But is this a good time just to, we should just talk about the soundtrack, I guess now. All right. Because this is like 80% of it is in this scene, right? Something like that. A good Let amount of it. Let me pull up the soundtrack. Yeah. Cause I, I got, have a lot to say about all. So we're, we're leaving off where the, when they're at the club. We are, yeah, we are at the club right now, but we got to we gotta talk because this is, all right, so when we say this is probably the most known part about this movie, like outside of this poster that exists in my nightmares, the soundtrack to this movie was probably the biggest thing to come out of Bullworth. By a, everyone my age remembers Ghetto Superstar being very much on the radio all the time. Ghetto Superstar. Not on, on MTV all the time. It was a constant MTV rotation the back, biggest- but back in my day they played music on a thing called mtv because there was no youtube so we watched music <laughs> videos on the television and uh believe it or not and uh this was one that was played a lot the soundtrack went platinum it did go platinum back then everything mildly successful went platinum yeah basically so like you had a song as big as ghetto superstar the thing was going platinum yeah to actually buy albums just back the way then, things so worked like, at yeah. the time so I'm, i want to go through track by track i have something to say about every song all right yeah pretty much yeah let's go uh, let's zoom go. by dr dre and ll cool j it's a fine song this song was semi 
got play on like beat there was a video for this song yeah it got to play on bt and stuff i think it got like um i have it uh number 52 on the billboard uh, charts yeah. it was it, people heard it 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 existed it wasn't a big song it was fine it's it's okay there's this LL cool j highlights in the song i listened right, to it I not think. not a fan not gonna okay. lie, not a fan, but uh, okay. it's okay. There's a few other tracks later on that I'm Ghetto big, Superstar. Everyone knows classic, that. Classic. One time uh, at a karaoke thing, <laughs> two time at a <laughs> <laughs> um, at a karaoke thing like room. My wife wanted to do the song with me, and she was gonna sing the Maya parts, and I'd do the rapping parts. And I hadn't heard the song in a long time. Oh, and you can't rap karaoke if you don't remember the cadences, and I really didn't, so it was a mess. Anyway, that's rough, especially like which is a shame because it would have been fun if I if I remembered the song. Especially at all. get into like ODB's verse, and you just like just... ODB, especially a lot of weird weird cadences. It doesn't make sense reading it. You have to know what he's. Do- you have to know how the words are said. Exactly, and this is probably like this is the biggest song Praz had. Like ever? Oh, by far. Yeah, he was he he's the um, unknown member of the Fugees. If you didn't know, for those at home, he's he's the one guy that's like, oh, he's that member. He's the Marty Janetti of the stable. <laughs> he's he's by he definitely he didn't really have the solo success aside from this song. This is by far the most successful solo, and it's not even solo, but yeah, thing without the rest of the Fugees on it that he ever did. Well, I far. mean, uh, apparently it was produced by Wyclef. Well, you know what the telltale sign is? Is the chorus is lifted from another song. So of course it's a Wyclef like every other Wyclef hit song. And I and Wyclef's the man. Don't I guess. He's you know, I, if if Lauren Hell didn't exist, he'd probably be the best part of the Fugees, but he's also a weird guy. He's also weird. He was the president of some country. He ran for the president of Haiti. Of Haiti. There's a lot of accusations. I don't remember the details. A lot of accusations might have stole money from charities or something. I don't know if it's true. Probably but, knowing the knowing the history of Haiti, not not But um that anyway. Happened. The next song is actually also produced by Wycleft, uh How Come by Cannabis. <laughs> Again, this is on the Cannabis album at the time. Not one of my favorite which I I actually, that's actually my favorite cannabis album. I was the age, I'm the right age where cannabis was your favorite rapper at some point. You just oh, had man. to be. When cannabis first came out, we'd never, no one ever, anybody fucking like this. Like, you've no idea, you, you're too old. Cannabis? Actually, you're too young, I mean. That you don't yeah. understand there was a heyday of cannabis where he was the man and everybody couldn't wait for this album that this song's originally see, I'm, from. See, I'm too to young. Come out. I'm too young because the only thing I know cannabis from is like violently losing a rap battle against disaster at King of the Dot. That it's sure. become a meme. Sure. It's become a meme. That's how bad it was where he just pulls out a notepad and is just like it's pretty bad it's pretty bad a lot of people might there not everybody i i turned on cannabis pretty early compared to a lot of people my age that liked them yeah some of them were very heartbroken by that stuff but you don't understand dude cannabis eminem was like a discussion like who's better at the time shit like in like 1998 99 that was like really in the underground that was that was the can we get Eminem and Cannabis to battle, and they actually did have a beef at one point uh, publicly. Eminem dissed them on one of the albums, but there's a diss track to Cannabis by Eminem much much later on, and he the- destroyed him. It's not <laughs> it's not good for Cannabis, but then- it's a terrible song. But oh. but from a battle standpoint, anyway, uh, this is or- not. I couldn't. I didn't listen to the song. I listened to the soundtrack driving today, but the stuff that's not available on Spotify, I didn't listen to. This song, I'm pretty sure is on Spotify. I don't remember which Cannabis. I don't remember which verses are in this. I think this is one where he's talking about like flying pyramids and shit like i think this is one of these where he's like it's like on a weird like <laughs> astral how come this it's it's questions and stuff oh yeah but i can't remember which one it is i don't i don't know but anyway anyway it's not my favorite i kind of like that album and it's not it's one of my least favorite songs on that album it's too chill anyway then the board the posse cut called Bullworth, which is this posse sounds nuts method man krs1 prodigy and cam 
Oh, yeah. this is this. That's whew, that's got to be it's a good a decent hit. song. It's pretty tight. It's fine. It's not. I don't love the beat that much, but it's pretty good. It's fair. I mean, KRS, KRS, KRS is, is actually very good. KRS one verse. I forget why, but I remember listening to it and going, KRS kind of killed us. I feel like even like a mediocre KRS one verse is still like a C plus or C, this still is like good. a B. This is a good era for KRS. Yeah. Oh, especially this was when he was. This probably this is in some ways his peak abilities were around this time. Was this was this around the? This might have been either not. Around the same time, but a little bit earlier, the um, the CIA posse cut with him and Zach De La Roca. Uh, that's from Lyricist Lounge originally. Probably, probably like the year after this. Yeah, I think maybe yeah, that, the, maybe not. Maybe at the same time. That's a that's a good fucking track too. Yeah, it's him, Zach yeah. De La Roca, and Last Emperor. It's oh. on Lyricist Lounge. Double double album. Nice. Lyricist Lounge Volume One. Ooh, Volume Two is a much different. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> um, anyway, Holiday Holiday Scanner. I don't know shit about Witch Doctor. I listened to this today. I realize he's saying Organized Noise, which is the Outcast production team. So I guess he's from Atlanta. I don't know shit about Witch Doctor. But this song's in the movie a lot. A lot more than some other songs. Really? The, the chorus of the song is, Every day is a holiday, holiday. Oh, Another right. motherfucking dollar day, dollar day. That's in this movie a bunch. Uh, yeah. in the second half. Oh, yeah. I don't know that, why. That song, and we'll get to it. This is not even on the soundtrack. We'll get to We'll get I to. I have it. more to say about the music in the latter half of the movie. Oh, yeah. Believe me. me. Oh. The Chase by RZA. This, I can't remember if this was made for this this or not because i feel like this was on another thing it's it's not on the bobby digital album which is what rizza came out with closest to this yeah i don't know where this song i feel like he made this for another reason but it ended up on here and it's definitely the first place i ever heard it it's it's honestly like one of the it's few a pretty songs, good rizza song one of the few yeah one of the few songs i listened to off this sound i probably my favorite that holds out up. of the songs i hit uh this song eve of destruction by eve this is before rough riders eve though this is eve before she was a thing I don't All know right. if you know that. This was before she came out with DMX and Rough Riders and blew up like a, a year later. Oh, shit. She's mentioned she signed to Aftermath on this, like which was Dr. Dre's label. She mentions it like five times in the song. Oh, I listened shit. to it today for the first, because I don't really like this song. But this is Eve <laughs> now, I think, is on like a talk show or something, daytime talk Jesus or something. Jesus Christ. Isn't she on one of those shows? I would, God, if I know. I flipped through, and if it's, I'm sorry, world, if it's not her, because I, I, the girl I think is her, and if it's, it could just be a girl that looks like a person that looks like her. It's fair. But uh, this was pre-fame Eve on Dr. Dre's record label. Apparently dropped and then was on Rough Riders a year later. Later, a song called Eve of Destruction. Not great. The sample's overused. It is what it is. It's not a. It's not the. It's not abhorrent, but I don't particularly like the song. Maniac, Maniac in, in the, the Brainiac, Brainiac by Ice Cube and Mac Ten. This is a. It's, this is not a good Ice Cube song. <laughs> And this, again, is not an original. This was for, I don't remember. This one Ice Cube was doing the War and Peace albums. All right. This is from, I think this was on War and Peace Volume 1, I believe, which isn't good. It, this is not a good era for Ice Cube music, in my opinion. This is not the song that plays when uh, Bullworth steals the car from fucking, uh, from no, Cheadle later. No, that's, that's a different Ice Cube that's song. That's a much different Ice Cube song. That's wrong and to F with. That's from Death Certificate. Yeah. That's the first song. Sounds Death super early, early. No, that's Ice like class. That's vintage Ice Cube. Anyway, I mentioned in my notes the use of that song is very well used. But uh, Freak Out by Nutter Butter. This samples out. This samples the old like Freak Out. That song. It's awful. I don't know what this is. I don't know who Nutter Butter is. 
I never heard of him again. It's an awful name. The song is not good. It's just a very blatant I'm going to make a dance song of that of this time. You know that this person shouldn't have a career when Wikipedia doesn't even have a hyperlink to in a Wikipedia really? page. Nah, yeah, I'm, I don't think they were a thing. Nutabutta probably was just a one person. Like I'd never heard of Nutabutta outside of the soundtrack. This probably song. like a, a friend of a posse. Next of up another thing. is a group everyone's heard of. The, the Black, Black Eyed, Eyed Peas. Peas. But this is underground pre-Fergie Black Eyed Peas. Uh, this song was the first time I'd ever heard of Black Eyed Peas was this soundtrack. Again, not an original. It was on their album at the time. But I had heard it on here. I think it might have came out first on this. I can't remember. I do not like this song. I don't hate this song, but I never liked... The thing about... I have a long... I knew the Black Eyed Peas. The The moment this CD, this soundtrack came out, I knew the Black Eyed Peas, which is longer than most people. Oh, wow. And I was aware of Black Eyed Peas when they were underground, way before Fergie. I remember watching Rap City, and they were the guests... Promoting the album this song is from, probably. Yeah. And, um, like, one of them was beatboxing, one of them was breakdancing, while the other one freestyled. They were very, like, we're true underground hip-hop. That was their whole thing. They were very Jesus much that. Jesus Christ. And then, like, I don't know how long it was. Then, like, all of a sudden, like, eight, nine years later, they add a girl from the Mickey Mouse Club and turn into a <laughs> pop group. And I felt justified because I hated them when they were underground. I didn't hate them, but I did not enjoy them. I did not understand. That sounds like Arrested Development, but worse. They were, they like, were, but there's the thing, Arrested Development, I was a big Arrested Development yeah. fan, believe it or not. They were interesting. Yeah. Black Eyed Peas was just boring to me. And I think that's why they <laughs> added a girl and became a pop group. Because they never, I don't think they were ever super successful underground that yeah. I remember. I think Arrested Development's a little bit too harsh because Arrested Development's pretty tight. But what was the one, um, who do um, Cool Like That? Dig Old Planets. Do, do, do. Yeah. Yeah, Black Very Eyed Peas is like a, not as good Dig Old Planets back then. It's painful. At least this song. I don't remember much of their other stuff from back then. Joints and jams. So the next is Run by Capadonna. Which Pretty is the solid one, song. Yeah. It's uh it's in the club scene. It's from the Capadonna album, The Pillage. It's not not probably not a top half song on that album, in my opinion. I like that album a lot. Milk This Cow on that album is a fantastic song, which has nothing to do with this. Anyway. Then Lunatics in the Grass by Cypress Hill. I completely forgot this song existed. <laughs> And this is a tight, in my opinion, this is a dope Cypress Hill song. This is a pretty dope late 90s Cypress Hill song. Yeah. And I forgot it existed until I re-listened to this. I was like, oh shit. Like, I enjoy this song. The next song I really love, Kill Em Live by Public Enemy. This is an original for this. And I, at the time, Public Enemy was like, I was wearing Public Enemy t-shirts in 1998 to high school, which was odd. That was not like a normal <laughs> thing. To, it was not a normal thing to do. One of the other CDs I bought on that trip to Canada was the He Got Game soundtrack. Okay. Which is around the same time, which Public Enemy did all of. They did the entire soundtrack. Oh, Jesus. All right. And uh, I believe the last full Public Enemy album, sort of, that was on Def Jam. I love this song. It's also used in a chase scene later. But um, I don't know what to say besides I love this fucking song. Yeah, no, it's it was a strong one. That's uh, when they're cutting through, not not when they're cutting through the hotel, but probably, oh. When no, it's much later. It's towards cut, the end. Cutting through, oh, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's more when he's running at the end. But, when he's, um, uh, we'll get there. Uh, yeah, we'll get there eventually. The last song is Bitches Are Hustlers 2 by Define. Again, I don't know shit about Define. <laughs> another another person I who don't, doesn't have a Wikipedia yeah, I, page. <laughs> this is like a one hit. Someone had a connection. They got in placed on this somehow. Um, ah, I don't need to play Ghetto Superstar. Um, <laughs> and that's it. I don't know shit about Define. Don't particularly like that song. Apparently, the album peaked at number 10 in the United States, number 17 in New Zealand, number 39 in Austria, and number 98 in Germany. Wow. No, this was this was a big... Ghetto Superstar was a huge song. Complex put it at uh, number 24 of the 25 best hip-hop movie soundtracks of all time. This was a significant... This was successful... Again, Moran Bainey made much more... Money, money off this, off this soundtrack this album. than he did off this movie. 110%. <laughs>
<laughs> soundtrack did not bombed. Yeah, no, at not, all. Very not bombed. <laughs> very very successful. Very yeah. very it went platinum. We might as well mention this now. When reading the tidbits on on IMDb and stuff, there's a whole thing about the music, uh, the score. Oh, I'm sure you read up on this. We're talking about Maricone, <laughs> are we? Let's pull him up. I don't know shit about this guy. You so, know, you know shit about this guy. He's yeah. a big composer, I guess. Neo Maricone. He was big. He used to work on. I if I'm not mistaken, I might be wrong. He used to work on the Sergio Leone uh, movies. So like Good, the Bad, the Ugly. Okay. Oh, uh, is that Once guy. Upon a Time in America. Like. Top He's like the tier. composer. Top tier, like, composer. And the the, 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 the trip that I found, some people were kind of pissy he was hiring him because he cost a million dollars yep. to do this movie. Well, because he's... And the producer's like, we don't want to spend a million dollars on this guy for this it's, movie. It's... And when you watch the movie, it makes sense because there's maybe five minutes of his score in yeah. this movie. Yeah. Uh, he is <laughs> like, not... Yeah. It's yeah. Bar- well, all those songs we just discussed are what's in the movie. Absolutely. And others that we'll get to. And and a lot there's more. A, I have other things to say about the songs. 100 Miles and Running shows up i've that's a good use of that here's the one thing i might as well say it now uh insane in the brain does not does need not to be work does not aged well the way it's, it's supposed to be comedic at one point yeah but and at one point it's supposed to be it's on a drop that's supposed to be funny another point it's supposed to be like these guys it's scary that the guy's driving around or blasting it yeah which kind of that song was from 93 it was kind of over at All this right. point it, but that that's one thing I, that doesn't age well is the old it's in like three scenes it's they overuse insane they in the overuse brain. insane in the mem- i have that as a note yeah. i have that on that's one of my big negatives note. Being like, it really hits you like a ton of bricks watching it now. How many times do you need to play Insane <laughs> in the Membrane? In and it's one... not like spread out in the movie. It's in like the same 10 minutes. The same block of time, <laughs> yeah. which we'll get to. But Ennio Murricone, legendary, legendary film composer. Warren Beatty pushed to have him be the... The, the composer the, the, for, the the score movie. for this movie, yeah, and paid him a million dollars. Paid him a million <laughs> for apparently. Apparently, he handed in a two-hour soundtrack. That's the other thing that he made. Uh, say which I don't know where it is, but he he somehow got the label to release a version of just his score, which is yeah, it was like a two-hour <laughs> score, yeah. which is insane. But barely in the movie, it's in it for ten minutes, and it's like at the <laughs> end. I think less. Yeah, I think it's less than ten. Wait, it, what did I highlight here? He I basically think it says a number somewhere and he was not happy this is this is like if you 10 minutes a little more than 10 minutes this, okay this he was be, not he was not pleased oh, he was very upset <laughs> very upset this is because it's like it's the equivalent of like if you hired like hr geiger to do matte paintings for your movie you know and they like, only show up for like five seconds you know in wayne's world 2 when uh charlton heston's in that part yeah it's like that only not a joke <laughs> you know what i'm saying like it's played it's a punchline in that yeah the joke is charlton heston's in this part it's not a joke that he hired this guy this, to yeah, do this the music. This is a shoot. This is a shoot that he did. And <laughs> yeah. it's, God, poor you know Morricone. Did not deserve this. And Warren Bates, like, that's the level of ego we're dealing with. A guy hiring a legendary, like, composer just to do <laughs> to five minutes of transition music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just transition music. It's barely noticeable. Anyway, we, we speaking, back speaking, of, speaking of transitioning, so they're still at the club. <laughs> They never leave the club. They have not. The, more, left the, the sun club is yet. rising. Nina sneaks out for some reason. Nina, yeah, well, Nina for an obvious out. reason. You find out later, but yeah. <laughs> and uh, all the staffers are asleep on like couches. For some reason, the owners of this club are still up, but they're just hanging out, counting money. 
They're just vibing. I guess they're closing still. I don't know. I don't know what times club closed in LA in 1998. For some reason, it was 24 7 club. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just strange. Like it was up forever. Borth is just DJing on he's, the turntables, and by having DJing, a good time. He's just playing dick over and over. He's playing and over dick again. on one record. It's scratching Foxy Brown from, I believe, Firm Biz, from by the firm, saying something about dick. I can't remember what the exact lyric is. I don't know what the song on the other record is, but, but it says something pussy. about in the pussy. And he's scratching back and forth dick, to make it say pussy, dick in the dick pussy. in the pussy. Dick yeah. in the pussy. Which and is Albert, not easy to do, by the way. Not hard what he's doing, but not he. I don't think he did it for not real. Easy. It's a little tricky what he's doing but there. Oliver Platt is just so frustrated. He's like, we got five minutes. Oh, shit. Checks his watch, realizes that they have like a, like a banquet to go to. Yes. There's a fundraiser for the insurance companies, I believe, or something. Somehow yeah. the insurance company's involved. The well, guy's there. The, guy's, Servo, the guy probably bought a table Paul at this Servino fundraiser. Paul Servino needs to show up Paul, again. He, he probably he bought a table at this fundraiser <laughs> yeah. that he has to go to. And he's... Bullworth is telling uh, 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 Oliver Platt, he's like, we had a good time. It's great. We're good. Let's go. Yeah, let's yeah, go. Yeah, let's yeah. go. Bullworth is acting like everything's going to be fine. And then uh, Oliver Platt talks himself into that idea. The girls come with him somehow. Yeah, because they were left there. They're all, they were they were there, too. Halle Berry's friends are still there. Halle yeah. Berry sneaks out. Halle Berry sneaks out. He's still there. They all I go think her off. friends are passed out in the club. Yep. And then I believe the underling to Oliver Platt, or maybe Oliver Platt himself, says to them, would you like us to drop you off at the chicken and waffles place? I hear it's really yummy. More casual racism. For love breakfast. It. I love it. Yeah, for breakfast. <laughs> for breakfast. And the idea these girls have never, first of all, it's not... It's the condescending, I hear it's really yummy, bothers me because these girls are aware of chicken and waffles. Oh, yeah. They're in South Central Los Angeles. Yeah, 110%. <laughs> like, it's weird. It's a weird include. It's a weird way to patronize somebody. But uh, so they're in the fundraiser. He does the same thing. He starts to look at his speech, and I think he starts shuffling his papers or something. And then Oliver just... Platt goes, oh, shit, or something like that. He's, and then I can't remember. Yeah, yeah basically. Just remember, like, uh... But this is where the rapping really starts. Oh, I can't remember where. Yeah. But well, I can't remember. Oh, he goes, so what do we do? It's up to you. He just starts repeating that to himself. What do we do? It's up to you. And then just be. And then one of the girls holds up her. She has a mini tape recorder. Which, by the way, I was alive in 1980. Not a thing people carried around. Yeah, not, not mini tape recorder. Regular that, size tape recorder, but it's got like a speaker on it. Those yeah. were not easy to come by back then. Somehow that, she has one. I can tell you right now, that was every high schooler's dream was to own something like that. That's another thing, So you could too. walk around playing tapes. And by the way, Discman's existed by now. Oh, this yeah. This is 1998. This isn't... That Tapes were still big, though. Tapes were still... Oh, yeah. oh 100... It was but, both. Like, stores had both of these things, but... That's the other thing, Tapes too. were pretty much dying off. He... She just has like a, a mini she has speaker. Beat. She has a mini speaker with instrumental rap music on it this for is, some reason. This is what the '90s equivalent of like the guys that play uh, play off their iPhone, their their yeah. <laughs> in the subway, just like they're rapping in the car at one point, I believe, to each yeah. other, just hanging out. They're freestyling in the club a yeah. few times, and then they get to this fun. The club makes it. The movie makes it seem kind of like every black person just freestyles for fun, which is yeah, which is a more, little also yeah, a little more of the casual, racism. yeah, and more <laughs> casual racism. But they get to this fundraiser they're preparing the speech he sits down next to his loveless wife who shows up again oh, yeah i forgot she's in that yeah, part. i forgot that she says you smell like uh liquor or something you smell like liquor and he's like you smell like edgar <laughs> what's the matter i always liked she goes, edgar she, she says like, she says something like what are you 12 or something like or no she you know what she says to him she says rough night at the prom or something like that yeah and he says and then she says yeah i forget and then he says something about how's Edgar, and she's like, "Grow up." <laughs> he's and like, he's like, oh, "What? I always liked Edgar." <laughs> and that, but then he gets up to make his speech, and he starts and rapping about. Uh, I could rap the whole thing, believe it or not. But it's I, like, oh, please. Mm. 
he's talking about. See, the, I have I, another. I don't remember. Actually, I don't remember the first thing that he raps. I have another note here that says, "Oh God, he is rapping again." That's then he starts <laughs> rapping about how you don't how uh, it's everyone going to get sick someday, but nobody know how they're going to pay. I, and he starts talking about insurance, and then he's just and literally going table to table, being like, <laughs> yeah, he's walking around holding the microphone and the tape recorder so the beat can play through the through the microphone as well. So he's rapping over, walking around this fundraiser banquet hall. Yeah. Rapping about, and at one point, literally just says something about, like, it's these motherfuckers here, the insurance companies, and points at uh, Paul, Servino. Paul Servino, who just stands up very angrily. <laughs> That's all he does. And Classic then, uh, Paul Servino. <laughs> I just remember at one point, he gets on the mic, he goes, he starts talking about socialized medicine. He'll say that dirty word Social- socialism. Socialism. <laughs> and he's trying to do a call and response to that yelling socialism. And he raps also about, like, uh, well, you know, oil war and shit like that he raps about like the saudis and stuff like yeah, i forget this is it this goes is, all over the place this is a little bit more where it's like it's trying to do the network thing of like oh we're talking about real shit and he's dropping like real facts well, that's what he's been doing this time yeah, in his mind thing, except now he's really now he's rapping now he's rapping and leaning into it and now i don't remember exactly how the bank wall scene ends yeah they just sort of like do that and i think she the most so nino wants to man, get him to the hotel yeah the most suspicious looking guy in the world is Shows also up. hanging around the perimeter the whole time and nina's like let's go to your hotel room let's the go back walls in the hotel you I know believe. what you know what? it's right? really good we should go back to your hotel room not suspicious at all this person who has been cold shouldering you for most of the night just sort of like right bore, abandoned like, you when you were drunk in the club Exactly. Three hours earlier. Yeah, being but being now kind she's of like, let's go up to you. your hotel room. All of a sudden, and he's just like, yeah, that's. And they like cut to idea. you don't see who you see. Somebody is. Uh, I might have this all out of order, but somebody's um, loosening Entry. the screws on the railing of the balcony of the hotel room, so the railing will no longer support the weight of a man. <laughs> I believe to be able to push them off. Right. Yeah. So and she's and she's trying to get him up to the hotel room because there's supposed to be somebody else in that hotel room to push him. Right. Off but you don't find yeah. this out till later. But this yeah. part, you should be kind of connecting the dots. Yeah. It's you know, maybe putting, putting two to two together. Yeah. And when so, I saw it in the theaters, I just thought, oh, this just has to have a dumb love plot. And I was too young to put together 60. I looked this up this morning. It's 32 year old Halle Berry and like 63 year old Warren Beatty or something like that. Yeah. And it's like He's already very old in this movie. Oh, he's ancient. <laughs> so ancient. Like, I looked it up the other day. He's like 84 now now yeah and he made a movie like five years ago yeah so so he yeah so now they're all like yeah let's relax at the let's relax at the hotel and oliver platt is like no now we can't do that oliver platt catches him in the and the uh, catches him with halle berry yeah at this point and does an incredible shocked like shame on you thing he's like mr senator like he's genuinely shocked like he's just (laughs) like what the fuck because he's such a tattletale still. He's steadily, oh. At this point, Albert Platt's still in I don't know what I'm, how to save my political career mode. Oh, yeah. Throughout this part of the movie. 110%. And then you're going to have to remind me where they go. And then this is where they go to the white church. They don't go, they, they go I to the white church. I forgot about they go to the white church. This is one of my favorite sequences in this movie. Because they get there and they're like, oh, Mr. Bullworth, nice to meet you. <laughs> they look at like the two, two of Halle two, Berry's yeah, friends. Yeah, her friends go with them. Yeah, yeah, their friends come with them and they're immediately like huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah they're clearly not pleased clearly not happy and with there's them. a great scene where there are people the white people are all singing and they cut to the black girl singing in the church yeah and they're more on <laughs> and they're, they're more going on all out and they're, they're going all out and singing like a young black woman right and, and the white people the are just droning silence. on like white people in a church and it's just it's funny it's a funny i find it to be a good joke in the, the movie the pastor and the the choir is just like side-eyeing them and and they're I, drowning everybody out 
Oh, <laughs> like it's, it's it's hysterical. It's funny. It's great. It's a funny little bit. They get to the church, and then as they're sitting, I think no wait, down, this might be where he pulls the fire alarm. No, no, no. You no, were right was before, I right? Yeah. How do they get him out of this one? No, no, no. What happens is, is that they get to the church, they're chilling there, and then he looks over, and the most suspicious oh, paparazzi yeah, 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 man yeah. is in the church too. <laughs> And he's like, okay, I got to go. And he runs out through the back. And people are like, wait, what? What? Why did he leave? What's going on? And then this is where he runs off. He gets back into the limo. And during this whole time, when he gets to the limo, he's now realizing, uh, maybe maybe I shouldn't do this assassination thing. So he's trying right. to call. He's starting he's to have his change of heart because yeah. now he feels like he's doing something politically. Politically smart. He's, so uh, now he's calling up. He wants to call up Jack Warden, but Jack Warden's not available. And he's well, like. Well, he, they can't. He does get in touch with Vinny. Eventually. At some point, then they go somewhere else. They hide in another hotel well, or something. Well, no, 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 no. Right? This, is, well, this is where the whole thing is. He leaves the church, steals the limo, and he's like, okay, we oh, yeah, go drives to Jack, to Jack Warden's, Warden's house. And they drive to Jack Warden's house. <laughs> That's right. Drives the limo himself. Yeah, to Jack Halle Warden's Berry house. Halle in the back. In the back, yeah. She and, goes with him. And they then everybody's leave. Well, while they're traveling and doing the trip, they cut back to the church, and you have Oliver Platt talking to the media. And this is where the start of the media being like, this is this is very anti freedom of press. You can, how <laughs> how you do this? And Oliver Platt is just like, have you heard any rumors about uh, the opponents uh, hiring any positions? Yeah. <laughs> you hear anything yeah. about that? They're hiring. You think they're hiring? And so they get to Jack Warden's house and they pull in and smash cut to the other team leaving the church, realizing, oh. There's no limo. They go <laughs> right. to the C-SPAN team who looks shocked that they come into their fucking <laughs> truck. And he's like, can we get a ride to the next event? Yeah. <laughs> we don't We don't know. What, and they're like, did he take the limo? And he's like, yeah, he took the limo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so then we cut back. And they're, all this time, Bullworth and Halle Berry are still chilling in- At Jack Warden's at Jack Warren's garage. Not even his oh, house, yeah, his yeah. garage. They're in his garage hanging out for a while. And this is the part where it gets kind of like- <sighs> Warren Beatty starts lecturing Halle Berry about right. black leaders. Yes. <laughs> like, I hung out with Huey. <laughs> says he saw you. He met Huey Newton. And then he says, like, he, he probably you might not know who that is. He's like, most black girls my age don't. Most black girls your age don't know who Huey Newton is that I talked to. And then she does a whole speech about how she goes. She It's 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 played for like, oh, my. Cause first of all, it's like the the first time movie she speaks more than like five words in a row. Yeah. But like she's got, there's a whole speech about how the, the, uh, she goes, why do you think there are no more black leaders? A lot of people think it's all got killed, but I think it's the decimation of, uh, the manufacturing and urban centers, blah, 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 blah. Does the whole thing, but like it's an actual than that. like monologue that the end goal is: oh, the middle class for Black Americans doesn't exist anymore, and therefore there's no leaders and no hope. Is that's sort of- basically her speech. And then uh, she uh, she goes, "How how old do you think I am?" She's like, "What?" She's like, "You asked how old?" I-? And then she tells him she's 26 or something like that. And he's like, "Oh, how old do you think I am?" And she's like, "60." Dead silence. <laughs> Dead silence. Yeah. And well, that's, that's when the guy comes. That's when Jack Warden comes out and says he got Vinny on the phone. I think they're like, "What's going on?" So we got to call Vinny. He's like, "All right, I'll get Vinny on the phone." They get up there, and you get a phone yeah, that's call. Right. With they just Vinny. hide out for a while until they Jack just Warden sort of gets vibe. Yeah. yeah. And then so they do that. They get inside. They call up Vinny, who's at the nightclub they were at prior. Yes, chilling there. And the whole he is with the black woman earlier, who was like running the club. Yeah, and they're having a hard time reaching him at first because he's on the phone with plot reveal <laughs> Hallie. 
Berry. <laughs> yes. Halle Berry, who is the assassin. Yes. And so he's on the phone with her, and he's just like, oh, I'm sweating my balls off. They didn't give me a good room and board. This place sucks. What do you mean you didn't kill him yet? What, you stupid bimbo? Yeah. <laughs> Don't know any better? Yeah, he's very rude. Stupid whore. <laughs> and she's like, Don't call me a bimbo. He's like, Fucking bimbo. Hangs up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh, Bullworth calls him. Jack Warden calls him, puts him on the phone with Bullworth. Because the guys in the in the earlier scene when you meet this guy, when you meet Vinny, he's very clear. You talk to, to Jack Warden. You don't talk to me. He talks to me. You, you don't. We don't talk to each other. Yeah. We don't know each other. Basically. So then he, he gets on the phone with him and he's like, I need you to cancel the weekend research project. He says, fine. It's going to be some more money. He's like, whatever. It's fine. And then he gets off the phone instantly has a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> Literally instantly. Literally hangs up the phone. Has a heart attack. How, what could possibly go wrong? Oh, natural causes. <laughs> this poor, this poor guy, he's just like, all right, we'll, we'll cancel it. Everything's cool. Hang up. All right, the thing's off. Oh, my chest hurts. <laughs> he Down. says crazy. He's like, he says, so, after he gets off the phone with Boris, this is something like crazy son of a bitch. Something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, crazy son of and a bitch. Like, my heart hurts. And then the girl's like, Vinny, okay? And he just slowly leans, lays down. Oh, Basically, yeah. it's very slow heart attack. And she's like, Vinny, oh my God. And it's like, you, we really shocked. He's been eating like hoagies and Philly cheesesteaks so exclusively. Now, so now Bullworth feels like he has a new lease on life. As far as he knows, the thing's it's off. Over, Let's go good. to whatever's next. The debate? Go to the debate, yeah. They have to drive back to the debate. This is where I started taking notes. There this, we go. This is where I picked up rewatching it last night because I rewatched the first step. Anyway, so I love when he gets he shows up. No, and this is this the part where um, Oliver Platt and the other guy and the limo driver. Yeah, the limo, the limo, He's giving him a pep talk. He gets here, we're gonna stop him. I'm authorizing <laughs> physical force. He's not gonna get in here. We will stop. And uh, the limo driver is just furious behind him the whole time. Oh yeah, <laughs> that scene. The limo is just making the most comically angry faces. But um, <laughs> like, all right, okay, cool. Here he comes. All right, and the senator, and he just walks past. Him. And it's like, well, that that plan didn't work out his way as well. He goes, didn't work. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's a very subtle joke. I do like that joke a lot. But uh, the debate, he's, the pre-debate, he's standing at the podium, and he's just wait. He's supposed to be just hammered, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. He should be like- He looks del- like shit. He looks delirious. They try to get him to shave. He's like, nah, nah, nah. And then I think, I think that's the part. They, and then, where um, they were like, offer him a shave. Next cut. Okay, we're all ready for you. Need a shave. Walks right back. <laughs> yeah. And then- uh, He's he's like just fiddling with this part. I really enjoyed the, the 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 subtlety of him just goofing off before the debate starts. Cracked me up. I don't know why. Where he's just like looking at. He's just the, looking the around. Starts moving cue cards around. <laughs> playing a drunk, confused. But now he's euphoric. Now he's happy. Now he's happy. Now he's great. But he doesn't even know this is successful yet. But at the time, he's he's just ready to go to this debate. Um, this is probably. And the, now now yeah. the must now the message turns to. Again, this is me, 18 years old, in the movie theater. Never really thought about the people that are funding political campaigns. A lot of them at the very top are paying for news networks to run. And he points that out to the – that's the to point that, he starts to making. To like the CNN – To the CNN anchors, basically. Yeah. And they start off and they're just like, Bullworth, why do you care about – and he's like, why are you here? Why are you talking? We, we're all paid out from one another. It's just – it's a rich guy, right. two rich guys talking to other rich people that are owned by other rich people to do other things. And he pulls out a flask. <laughs> yeah, he goes, he goes, it's a big club, so let's have a drink. <laughs> and then he pulls out a flask. 
pulls out a flask, they drink, and he just starts saying all this crazy stuff. And this is when Oliver Plath goes in the back and just He pulls- smashes a button in the control room or something. I think, yeah, he pulls the power plug or he something. He does something. He starts hitting buttons, and it shuts off the, the TV the station, basically. Thing. And this is where I think I wrote down here. Um, I wrote down the debate train wreck. There's that, but I oh, I didn't mention this. When the lights go out, uh, the worst audio dubbing of my life comes in, where he just walks over to his opponent. When like, it's just a silhouette. Like, hey, hey, bud. Hey, what's hey, going man. on, man? What's hey, going man, on? what's up? Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? <laughs> and it's like you can see his mouth is not moving. <laughs> I've never noticed that. <laughs> I believe you. His mouth is not moving. I saw this like twice within the last two days. <laughs> I never watched for that. Mouth did not move. And he's just, it's oh the dubbing in this movie is so bad. What's interesting to me though is in that debate speech moment, it's a very it's a very both sidesy, everybody's just in a big club, but yeah. it's from a very leftist place, which is interesting to me. Yeah, very much so. Which the whole movie really is that position. This is honestly like the only I would I would say this is the only like network E scene that to me really works. Like the earlier stuff where he's just being outlandish and, and out out there yeah. was a little bit too much, but this here was he I doesn't think rap this in this part doesn't <laughs> that's that's number one <laughs> doesn't rap number one number two it's just it he gets the message out without doing like a gimmick or something right which is nice and it gets sort of like the theme of what's happening and what Bullworth is doing as opposed to just this weird grandpa rapping about <laughs> socialism yeah. then we get to the two best scenes in this movie yeah this is where uh so now Oliver Platt is just lost. He's 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 done. a cokehead now. He's just done. He's just officially had it. He's done. He's doing coke on the job. Yep, he is in the bathroom. And this ranting scene. To this his is underlying. one of the best. This I wrote down because this scene is perfect. Where he's just snorting out of like a little thing. He's just he's snort- taking he bumps out of like through. a little bindle. I don't, not a bindle. Bindle's an envelope. I think he's I forget got his little his little vial and yeah, he has his he's spoon. Got a thing. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. He <laughs> wants to do this? Fine. Sure. He should have listened to me back in '88 on the energy bill. But not. Nah, no. He wants to do this. Fine. And whatever. Throw away his career? Fine. But, and then, and the entire time he's doing this, the as he just. Underling is trying to the take Underling's like trying to. At one point, he like goes over like right up to the. Oliver Platt's like holding the spoon. It's like gesturing and talking the other direction. <laughs> and he almost has his face up to it. And then Oliver Platt snatches it and snorts the bomb. Not, not only does he snatch that, it that and snort it. That scene is so perfect. It, not only does he snatch it and snort it, he snatches it, snorts it, and then goes, ah, fuck it. Throws it on the ground. <laughs> and walks out. <laughs> The so underling good. never gets a hit. The underling gets nothing. But then it follows into Hello Larry King. Yes. <laughs> young Larry King. Well <laughs> Well, I mean not as old. Not as old as Larry young, King. Much younger looking. He does 45 look like year old Larry King. He's probably older than that. Probably fifty. He's probably yeah. pushing sixty in that movie. Jesus, really? I don't know. How old was he? he I feel looked, like he was he ninety when he died or something. Oh he was ninety. And he didn't yeah, die he that died like last year. Yeah. <laughs> so like, so yeah. I don't know. So he was, yeah. I'm but, saying he was like probably 60. This movie's uh, fair. Yeah. Uh, tw- 23 years ago. So <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But he um, shows up and this is, this is the second best thing where Oliver Platt now coked out of his mind. He's like, Oh fuck. Hey Larry, how's it going? And Larry's like, Oliver, Hey, this, this thing, right? Says, like you ever seen anything like this? He's like, he's like, I can't believe it. And then he says to him, he says, I'm gonna have to do a show on this. And he's like, please don't, please don't do a thing on this. Please, Larry, please don't. I just, Please. And he's like, no, no, no. This guy's speaking the truth. This guy is doing <laughs> everything. people want something like this. People want something yeah, yeah. They're like sick this. all the nonsense they, or whatever he says. They the nonsense. They want to hear this. And this is where Oliver Plath is just like, Larry, thank God I've been telling you <laughs> him this for weeks. Oh, my God. But it's very coked up. It's very like, I've been trying to tell him this for weeks. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> oh, he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 
day. You know, this is all my day. You know, I told him about, uh, it's very. He's just all of a sudden this goes into super coked oh, up who mode. Who do you have tonight? Who do you have tonight? <laughs> Bill Clinton. Bump him. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he screams it. He goes to the other lady. He goes, "Who's tonight?" And he turns to you guys. He goes, "Clinton." He goes, "Bump him." Like, just kidding. Like he screams at the top of his lungs. Just nuts. So now he's losing his mind. Now he's coked up, just excited. Oh yeah. And then uh, how? So somehow, Bo- at some point, Bullworth finds out from Jack Warden that uh, Vinny's in a coma. I think it's in the TV. They were leaving the debate. They were leaving the TV studio. They're leaving the TV studio, and Paul Servino shows up yet again, being the ominous man. He's like, "How well, oh, oh, Bullworth." uh, Oh, he says something about the policy. Yeah, he's like the insurance policy. He's like, you know, we were playing ball earlier, but yeah, I think he rips up the policy or something. He's like, "Oh, what's the policy? Yeah, that policy. Okay, give me one second. Just tears it up in front of him, and he's like, "Ha ha ha! This is great." And Jack (laughs) Warden's like, "Oh, how's it going? That debate was good." He's like, "Yeah, uh, that thing about the." research project that's that's done for right and he's like oh poor guy <laughs> so yeah he's like poor he's like poor schmuck or something like that he's like well he's like yeah he's in a coma heart attack is in a coma and now boy's like oh my god oh no i'm still on oh no it's a problem and then yeah. while that's going on that realization's hitting we're cutting to oliver platt on the phone yes <laughs> Yelling at whoever owns the network or whoever Some producer at the stuff. network. Me and Larry King want this right now. <laughs> we need this. They want the truth to be heard. Have you ever heard of the FCC fucking C? <laughs> Just adds another yeah. C into it. It's so good. Oliver yeah. Platt, MVP of this movie. I love him in every scene he's in. He's, he is good in every scene. He's such a he's, underrated. And he's got a lot of work to do in this movie. Underrated actor, honestly. Beautiful man. Beautiful man. Him and in Ready to Rumble. Got to cover that at some point. <laughs> Fantastic in that, too. But he's just ranting on the phone, coked out of his mind, and Bullworth is like... He sets up an election special for that night to yeah. interview Bullworth one-on-one on the network, along with uh, Bob Dole and... Uh, I forget. Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton, Bob Dole, Pat Buchanan. I believe Pat Buchanan's mentioned. Yeah. This was pretty... Yeah, Pat Buchanan was a big deal in 1998. Uh, Ross Perot? Possibly. I don't know. I don't know why, but it's, it's a very bizarre. They just group other big politicians into the scene. So then, uh, but then he finds out. So then he's running and this is where they queue hundred miles and running, which is very well used. Perfect. Works Perfectly very well. Used. He's just running from the press is just following him. There's just like a hound of press uh, or a, a hound of press. There's like a horde of press, a horde of press just, just chasing him into, I think he falls into like a, ravine or something he's like yeah he's in water at some point i don't uh, know why like there's the water pool, there ravine in the yeah front yeah, yeah. he's like and then he gets back in the limo and drives off does like a k-turn in the middle of a highway in los angeles with how and Halle berry goes with him and, and then uh, like, i'm gonna show you where to hide out because earlier when they were leaving to go to the debate he's like yeah so after this you want to like hang <laughs> yeah. want to hang out and she's like yeah sure you want to see my parents want to meet my yeah. parents and he's like yeah sure i'd be down to meet your parents so they're going to her parents house she so brings him his family house. Uh, to me also one of the funniest scenes when he walks into her family's house i i thought it was a pretty funny scene because they're like, this is the Senator Bullworth. And the bald black dude, I think it's her uncle, I think. He just stands up like, well, this is my Secretary of State, so-and-so. <laughs> this is my Vice President. But he gives everybody in the room, He's like, positions. all of the kids and the children and the, and the family. And it's just, I just love this family does not give a fuck that the Senator's here. They're not kissing his ass. The, wonderful. Halle Berry just all of a sudden brought a Senator into their house. Straight up. Also, shout out. Uh, hello to Thomas Jefferson Bird, who I also covered in that same Clockers episode with Isaiah Washington. Go check it out, oh, episode so one. Really that? good. He's in he the played, scene. He, yeah, he plays the uncle. Is who, he the guy I'm talking about? Uh, I think so, but he <laughs> or the also older, or the other one. He also has the line later on where when Bullworth goes out in the neighborhood and they're just like, "You let him go out," and he's like, "It's fine. It's That's, fine." I wrote it down. <laughs> I wrote down that line. 
That's one of my favorite lines. He goes, surely a senator would be safe among his own constituents. <laughs> that guy? <laughs> that guy. Yeah, that's the yeah. guy who says the other thing I'm talking about. That guy's great in every scene that he's in. It's fantastic. But um, yeah, And no. the grandmother is oh, uh, perfect. The Sadly, long dead by now, I'm sure, that actress. <laughs> but mean, she yeah. is awesome. She is also awesome. just great every scene where uh, he's having dinner. And <laughs> she goes, like, I love these college she beans. Go, that's goes, kale. <laughs> she goes, enjoying your greens, senator, and like rolls her eyes. <laughs> and then like. <laughs> And just does it perfect. And then she go, he goes, uh, she goes, oh yeah, yeah, I love Kyle Green. She goes, that's kale. <laughs> At this point, um, Halle Berry's outside. Halle Berry dips again. Yeah, because she's just like, now I got to do this myself. And there's some, some, uh, I don't know if it's now or later. It might be later. Where the same uncle, it might be later. Where the uncle gives her a speech about her mom's life being ruined that's, by a that's, white man. That's way later. Is that yeah, way that's, later. That's, that's okay. later. That's when he's on television for the. That's debate. right. So but, then, um, so uh, she, she, leaves. she leaves. He wants to go, to go to find laundry. her. She goes to do laundry is what she tells yeah. him. Yeah. Oh, then, to go get his suit cleaned. Yep. And he and he she leaves. And this is where we begin the endless queue of insane in the membrane <laughs> yes. by Cypress yes. Hill because she leaves and just insane in the membrane. Then we cut back to the dinner. They're having dinner, and he's just like, "I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna go see what's up with that." She's, and they're like, "Are you sure you want to leave?" And he's like, "Yeah." They're yeah. like, "You can't go out dressed like that." And they give him some clothes, was, and they give him like, "Yeah, you give him clothes." They give him some pretty, you know, some '90s hip hop garb, basically. Exactly. They give them, they give him a Scully and uh, some sunk smokely looking glasses and a t. I don't some some hip hop thing on his shirt. <laughs> no, sh- it was like a baggy black, shorts, blank, blank uh, red and black. I don't think there was a logo on there. It's like a jersey looking. Little, yeah, it you're right. It almost looks like, like a, jersey, a hockey yeah. jersey or something, but I don't yeah. think it is. Like it's just a big shirt. It's just a big shirt. And he's got really baggy shorts on. Yeah. So he opens the door to leave insane in the membrane, walks down yeah. the street, walks down the street into the most intimidating gang of eight-year-olds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have ever seen it. Between four to seven kids between the ages of one's really small. Yeah, one of them is just One of six. them's like five, and the other, they range up to about ten. Yeah. And they're very intimidating, and they see him, and he's like, they're like, yo. He's like, yo, and they go, you buying a what? They say something like that, and they flash their guns, I think. they f- No, they right? flash crack. They flash, no one they flashes f- a gun? Yeah. I don't no, the, the five-year-old flashes a gun. The oldest one pulls out some crack, yeah. and he's like. See, I, go, I think Bullworth's confused. I think he's yeah, buying or something like that. Yeah, and Bullworth is like, uh, and then he says, no, thank you. He doesn't want, yeah. And then he suggests, wouldn't you guys like some ice cream instead? And they're like, fuck you. That's when they, <laughs> cut, then business. they cut back to the house, I think. Yeah. And that's when, that's the one of the lines is, we doing business here, cracker. That's one of the lines. <laughs> But that's when they cut back to the house and he says the thing about surely a U.S. senator must be safe amongst his own constituents. Yeah. And uh, that's back. what I wrote. Insane in the brain over you. Sounds dated. <laughs> now they cut. Here's a tidbit you didn't know. I guarantee you. Then they cut back to him with the kids. They all have ice cream. Yep. The kids are all rapping a song called Hey by the group Crucial Conflict, which was a hit at the time, around the time. Oh, I did not know that. One, somewhat of a one-hit wonder group out, group out of Chicago called Crucial Conflict. The song's called Hey. It's about smoking. Smoking on hey. That's the chorus. In the middle of the barn. The video is like these dudes in a barn, literally like with hay everywhere. And they're rapping about getting high. Jesus Christ. But the video, this video was big. This was on rap. It wasn't big MTV big, but it was on like, uh, it was like Rap City number one for a few shit. weeks kind okay. of thing. Right. But not, but I, I own the album it was from. I don't remember what the album was called. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know. I don't know whatever happened to them. They, they were big enough in Chicago that this song crossed over. The only reason I remember that is the first song on the album, they, they keep going, C-H-I-G-C-H-I, how do you spell Chicago? However you spell Chicago, it's like C- C-H-I-C- the final tick. That's the name of the album, the C-I-C-H-I-C-A-G-O, final tick, and here we go. That's the chorus in the first 
It's not that good. I remember liking a few songs, but hey, it was a big song. That's what the kids are singing when they they're, when they're and they're doing like a verse. They're doing a, yeah. one of the verses uh, when they're walking up with the ice cream. Yeah, it's how, just them, I think. Bullworth. Also, also I how, forget what happens. No, no, Bullworth, Bullworth comes gets out separated. With them. No, he comes out with them. He walks over to the other side of the street while they're all huddled up. I guess to leave them. Hey. I guess like see you later, guys. Yeah, basically to be like, hey, all right. But then now they've left the LAPD me. pulls up. Here we go. And here's your token. <laughs> and when I was a kid, and this is what's weird. Deep down, I always knew I was. I think I was always a progressive in my heart. Yeah. And this movie woke up a lot of it. Oh. Because whenever I saw and like other movies where like a racist got their comeuppance, it always <laughs> it always did something to me emotionally. Like you ever see a Time to Kill? Yeah. The scene where they like set the guy like throws a Molotov cocktail on the KKK guy. Yeah. I was I saw that in the theaters too. I was young. I was really young. Nice. And I remember just feeling like something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Whenever a racist got their comeuppance in a movie, it did something to me. I don't know why. Although to be yeah, although I just had this these progressive values in my heart. I didn't understand. This is way more. This is way more of a straight up like this is very post post LA riots. Um, yes. Very honest scene where this guy comes up and he I think he just like calls them. Like, he just no, he just kids. walks up and asks what they're doing. He, he accuses, but very rudely. A very, very rudely, and by rudely, I mean racistly. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of homophobia. Oh, there. he gets racist, but I don't remember what the first thing they say is when they pull up. I just watched this too. It, I think he, he just says, calls them. Like, then, well, then he goes, "Fuck you, pig," or something. Yeah. Then he gets out of the car. He goes, "What you say? Fuck you to me?" And he goes, "No, sir." Then he gets back in the. He starts getting back in the car. He goes, "I said, fuck your mama." <laughs> and then he first he took the ice cream from that kid and tosses it. Then when he says that, he gets back out of the car, grabs another kid ice cream puts it in the kid's face then Borth sees this from across the street runs over grabs another for a lot of wasted ice cream there's a see. lot of poor, poor grabs another ice cream. ice cream stuffs it in the cop's face re-watching this the cop would have fired by the by <laughs> he he stands there with his gun on him for, the other cop jumps out of the car pulls his gun on Borth yeah yeah the cop with the ice cream cone in his face is would yelling I'm gonna been. blow your fucking brains out get on the ground now I'm blowing your fucking brains out says it about four times if you don't get on the ground right now I'm blowing your fucking brains out and um I they would have opened fire way before this happens at, at, at fuck you especially this is 1998 fire. my friend this is before camera phones oh. there is no footage if he shoots this guy right now oh yeah this he is like there's away. no cameras anywhere in 1998 yeah. that's why Rodney King was so crazy but anyway yeah the fact fair. that it was caught on film was insane but um but um yeah so they just they have this really intense like oh he's so the other cop noticed see they're luckily in South Central for some reason <laughs> There's a poster for Bullworth re-election right behind With him. With a giant dick graffitied on it. <laughs> it's right behind <laughs> giant him. Giant dick. He takes off his... He's asking the guy, uh, the cops for a badge numbers. Yeah. Takes off his sunglasses, starts rubbing his eyes. So I think you better give me your badge number. And the other cops notices. goes, holy shit, that's Senator Jay Bullworth. Jay Bullworth. And, and the the racist, angry cop is like, what? what am I being punked? What, what is this bullshit? He literally, the take, he goes like, this, this, this is Jay Bullworth. He's a senator. And he goes, I don't give a fuck. Senator. It's like that. <laughs> it's like, it's like Senator. it takes him a minute to what process the fuck it is going on and then he says to him uh he says if you guys leave right now i might not be able to pick you out of a lineup or something like that yeah and then he goes i think we say sorry to the kid or something apologize and, and the racist cop goes i'm sorry the cop goes are you fuck you gotta be kidding me and the kid goes i've been waiting my whole life for this, for this. <laughs> and the cop says i'm sorry and then he goes now say you're... now say that you're sorry he says, to the say officer. you're sorry to the officer and he goes, and he goes i'll fuck your fucking mother you fat piece of shit pig or something like that it's just like i tried to write enough. it down i think i gave up yeah and he just says close enough he says i'll fuck you i'll fuck your mama you fat motherfucker or something something about fucking your mama's in there 
Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so after this, Don Cheadle so now, shows though, back up. So now he's missing. Well, at some point, they go back to the TV studio. It's become apparent no one knows where fucking Borworth is. Yeah, because uh, Halle Berry hijacked him to go back to right. his parents' so place. Th- he's hiding out. Now he's just wandering around the streets looking for Halle Berry. Well, no, no, because right after, no, right after. Oh, this is where Don Cheadle thing, shows up. Don Cheadle shows up and goes, Are He you witnesses looking, the cop thing. You're looking for Nina? And yeah, he's that's like, right. Not even like, yes, just like, I'll get into your car, sir, <laughs> that I ran into at the club last night. Boris very comfortable now. Boris. Granted, at this point, he hasn't slept in like five days. Oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. he's very comfortable in the hood right now. He just had a crazy interaction with the police, <laughs> but he doesn't care because he's a senator. Can't doesn't give him. a shit. And so he goes he goes with them. And this is where we cut back. And Oliver Platt, again, this this scene. I wrote down I wrote down the ending line to this scene because I wanted to cover it. Oliver Platt is like, where's Bullworth? I don't know where he is. <laughs> where is he? <laughs> just like doing, doing a coke snort and everything. Yeah. Just yeah. Like, yeah, th- th- yeah. Just gone. And but then, then at one point, it's somewhere around now, uh, Rudy is talking to one of the girls that's Halle Berry's friends. That's she good. just goes, what do you think? To him. And then he goes, what do I think? And they cut away. And we'll get back to this. Because there's a line I enjoy. I don't know why. <laughs> so then Bullworth is having a meeting with Don Cheadle. He's expl- he, he says, I appreciate what you did for my little soldiers. He's like, little soldiers? And it bo- which bothers Bullworth. And he then Don Cheadle just lectures him about you don't shit about this. And, and he, uh, it, that I put down the realest moment in this movie is Don Cheadle's monologue. Don Cheadle has a whole monologue saying, uh, like, he goes, I'm giving these motherfuckers up. the only entry-level positions into the only growth sector in this place which is the substance uh, distribution industry or something like that yeah which uh, that's is pretty nice close to the lines d- drug dealing yeah yeah and, and he, he says how he's like you can't he goes on a whole rant about the pu- like there's no there's no benefits for black americans yeah he's saying how you guys every time you guys died. vote to cut education every time you guys vote to cut programs blah 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 the whole thing, and then the main the main line that he says, uh, he goes, "How's a how's a man supposed to meet his financial obligations working a motherfucking Burger King? He ain't." And that comes up later. Yeah. But, so, but and then Borth stops in mid sentence by having like by a, having blah, 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 by going blah, 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 for a while, yeah. not just like for a second. He goes, blah, 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 and then he wraps a couple bars and leaves. Which I don't, <laughs> and, and I don't really understand don't the point of what he's get rapping. it. Why? I didn't understand because he's a lunatic. But that <laughs> that could have been like delivered. He Instead. could have had a more of a point. Yeah. He just says something. There's a time for something, and you got to make a choice and it, do it right. It just seems because if so... you don't have shit to die for, then you don't have shit to live for. A scumbag and walks out the door. Yeah. It's very confusing. It's super confusing. I just I don't know why. It, like the juxtaposition from like Don Cheadle having this like really <laughs> strange serious monologue to oh now you're just a cartoon character. A lot of the stuff that works starts noises. getting weird. The last. The rest of this movie. Oh yeah, this, this is where things kind of fall apart. This in some movie places. just yeah. This this is where we're like, okay, we're at the third act, I think. <laughs> right. It starts getting strange. It's about and to be the third act, maybe. And so Bullworth steals Don Cheadle's car. Well, they cut. Well, this is when they cut back. Maybe not yet, but at some, I'll do it now. They cut back to Rudy is just ranting to the girl. Is doing some and he goes at one rant. point he goes like a bonics, great, and it just cuts again. <laughs> I forgot. At yeah. the time, conte- uh, contemporaneously, there was a time where there was a debate whether a bonic should be taught to, porch- to, 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 to urban children as a legitimate language. 
that was like a real debate happening I, I forgot. in the country yeah. at the time. So that's part of why he says that line. But it was like it's that makes me laugh every time. It's so that's such a what. And this is when insane in the brain at some point plays again. I think in the midst of all this. So then Bullworth comes back to this TV studio at some point. He steals. He steals the low rider. Steals John Cheadle's car. They're playing uh, the Ice Cube. I'm uh, playing wrong N word to F with. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, as he's driving the car because he's driving this low rider with hydraulics. He's like fiddling with hydraulics at a light. The classic nineties. There's like dudes on a corner looking at him like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, (laughs) it's very, it's very on the nose. The classic nineties comedy trope of oh, guy in a low rider. Again, Warren Beatty felt he needed to make this movie for some reason. (laughs) That's just again, just to bring it back. That's that's the realest answer. The fact this movie exists is bizarre. The biggest. um, I don't know why he. Actually, he had. This is a weird thing. There was a note on that on the IMDb thing that made me go, "What?" He initially didn't even want to release this movie, and it wasn't until he did a private screening yes. with Cornell West. Cornell West supposedly <laughs> uh, said he this need people need to see this. Reverend Cornell West, who let me note, I love Cornell West. Yeah. That being said, maybe he should have told him. I'm telling you, the in the context voice. of 1998, this movie's not as cringe as it is now. Yeah. I'm telling you. For the, I'm telling you. For the context of 98, it's probably like really on. But point. um. But so then what? Uh, yeah, yeah. Low Rider. He gets to the. He gets to the. He gets to the studio. That's where I think it's like ebonics. Oh, you know All what right. else he said? And so then he gets to the studio. That part, and then another line. You hear him say, he "Goes. They're putting Budweiser on the blimp. They're selling. Get drunk and fly around." This is part of the rant he's telling this girl. This is like all – these are all Sean Astin Scott's lines. Yeah. The entire movie pretty much. Yeah. He I don't think he really speaks like at all until Sean, this – Yeah, Sean I think that's supposed to be part of the joke. Yeah. I think is this guy has all this to say. Yeah, that's a part of it. I think it's pretty smart bit. Oh, another thing I like. Sorry. Going real back. No. Real quick. Don Cheadle's hideout is a, a vague video game system the kids are playing. <laughs> with like guns shooting at the screen non-existent they, video game system they have like arcade like you know, guns they don't want to pay for nintendo or something obviously they don't, yeah they don't this was the era of uh super was it still super yeah i don't think this, no 98 that was 64 uh, might have been brand new n64 was brand PlayStation new. PlayStation, PlayStation one was pretty damn just, new just came out it might have been a sega saturn i just didn't recognize i don't think it's game. anything i'm pretty sure it's this just was just generic <laughs> video game system anyway I, I wanted to point that out anyway but yeah so um, so then he's back he walks in he has his stride his strut he's dressed he's he's dressed then wild. they cut back to don Cheadle. he tell I, there's a moment in this i like where he tells him the guy stole your car oh the- my car goes it's just gone and immediate and he starts getting upset immediately grabs tom no his hench his underling hands slams thumbs on the desk and it's a known thing and i like the little detail that it's known protocol in this drug dealing empire that when don Cheadle starts getting upset you give him the thumbs immediately you give him the thumbs you gotta get, you gotta <laughs> like, get that acid reflex i like that little fast. touch i don't know why and uh and then he says another. He picks up a gun and like cocks it and goes, "Let's go get on the news, boys." One of the best lines now of this, the movie. And now this. So now we'll get to it. But Borth. So now Borth's at the TV interview. This is the scene that I saw before anything else in this movie, and this is yeah. This is like on YouTube as like the scene, like the climax of this movie. And I think if you trimmed it, it could actually work. To me, it works, but because of the, yeah. again the context when I first saw this movie. But he's dipping in and out of rapping in this part. Yep. He they get well. He, first, he just sits there yeah, silently first, for first, a while. Yeah. First, they for get some him to re- sit for down. no reason. They get him to sit down, and the whole time they're just like, "I really love the shirt. Maybe we should take it off. Maybe something better." But I do love the beanie. I do love the sunglasses. They can stay. Oliver on. Platt's kissing his ass again, though. Yeah, of course. Because he's gotten wind. Everybody loves this. Oh yeah. 
he's, he's pulling. Oh, that we find this out later. We find out later that he's he's basically like super bipartisan yes. loved. But um, yeah, so they get there and he's doing like this silent motif, like he's just zoned out. The interview starts and they're asking questions. He's staying silent, and then all of a sudden, it's the god fucking damn the the Richard getting Richard. Well, we're not Richard, there yet. Well, Richard. she says what sets him off. She goes asking him about the style of campaign he's doing because now he's dressed in the rap getup. Yeah. Now he's he's dressed up in the hip hop getup while he's doing this TV interview with a real news person. Yep. And she says like, "What's up with this? This you're doing this here." And then she goes at one point she goes the use of obscenities and that he goes obscenity and this is when he starts going into the richer getting richer and the, the poor getting poor, poor more poor and he's he's freestyling. Sometimes just talking, sometimes rapping. Sometimes just, he, it's, it's this weird flow of it's like, all over the place. He's got he's got a little bit of Huey Newton, Black Panther, in in one moment, and then the next moment it's old man doing uh, Sugar Hill Gang yeah. raps. Yeah, it's all and over it's the this place. Weird, but simultaneously he's interwoven what Nina told him earlier on and what Don Cheadle right. just told because him. because Don Cheadle is off. The set is in the t- has gotten into the TV studio. Yeah, he's, he's in, in the, the TV studio. studio. He's here watching this live. Nina. Earlier. Now here's what I yeah. want to know. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. I never thought of this. To again, I mostly watched this movie from the age of like 18 to like 21. <laughs> and I'm much. I'm 41 year old man now, and I, I have much different context for life watching this movie. So I've noticed things. I'm a little. Bu- Don Cheadle is he planning on shooting him in the TV studio? I think so. That's crazy. <laughs> like there are TV cameras everywhere. <laughs> There are witnesses all over the place. Let's get famous. <laughs> and he was going to it it comes off like his plan is I'm going to shoot this man while he's being interviewed on national TV. Dressed up like Nick Fury. In front of all these witnesses. <laughs> yeah. Not even in disguise. No no ski mask. No. Just in a nice suit. Just it's, yeah. I'm curious what his plan is here. I don't think Don Cheadle has a, pla- a very up, good plan. He's dressed up like Samuel Jackson's shaft. And that bothered like me last night. He's just walking around. I'm like, what is he going to do? What the fuck? He's just vibing. And then, but the whole time, like. He talks about the news being controlled. So then when the, the guy, he does his rants for a while. And then the guy in the t- the guy in the, the producer booth says, I don't know if I skipped over anything. No, you're good. The producer says uh, says to the girl in the earpiece, "All right, he's had enough. Flush him." And she, he somehow compels her not to Go, by going just, off about how that guy that just told you to turn me yeah. off. You don't. You shouldn't let him turn me off. She's like, "They'll fire your ass." And then he he makes the point. He says the rhyme. He says he goes, "If you want politicians to not be on the take, give them free airtime. They won't have to fake." Which is an interesting idea. You don't hear anymore. Yeah. You hear public financing for campaigns. You never hear public airwaves. Should just be only where political stuff is done. Yeah. Which is kind of what he says. Because he talks about who owns the airwaves, who's like, what's blah, blah, blah. And then eventually uh, something falls. This is another oh, well, one yeah, of those. Yeah, that's, that's a little bit later because uh, <laughs> a little bit further in, oh, after, well, then... he takes, after he takes Nina and and um, Don Cheadle's lines and right. recorporates. He says the stuff he she says... said about the urban centers and manufacturing yeah. being removed from them. And he says the Burger King line Yeah, and in, then... his, in, in the midst of all this. And then he says. Oh, I skipped over the most important part. I'm, yeah, go ahead. Where he just straight wrote up down is the like, quote. where he's just like, uh, you know, we're trying to we're trying to differentiate we're trying to like separate our lines based off black and white, but it's not it's not the white person's problem. They're all trying to get rid of the rich. The rich the rich are the rich, bad guys. He says rich people. He goes, rich, white people have more common rich people than they do. What black people than they do, rich yeah, people. Yeah. And then uh, he says, We and, gotta get rid of them. And get, rid of get, get rid of who? White people. <laughs> she goes, rich people? He goes, no, white people. They cut to the uncle going, damn, at the house. They're, like, they're all oh, watching shit. this back at Nina's family's house. Yeah. And then he goes, uh, she's like, how to eliminate them? He goes, you know, just through a uh, 
voluntary, free-spirited, open-ended program of procreative racial deconstruction. <laughs> she pauses like, what? goes, everybody got to keep fucking each other till they're the same color. Then the grandma goes, damn. <laughs> Big facts. I tried to make a stand-up bit out of that com, com that concept a million years ago about uh, fucking everybody till they're the same color. Yeah. The bit the, the punchline was something about like making uh, people that are not in interracial marriages get divorces. I forget. <laughs> I don't remember. But um. But he says this, and then Paul Servino, who was sort of been creeping in the rafters, him the and time. the the most suspicious and the most paparazzi suspicious guys paparazzi also. Guys. It's all coming together here. It's like a Seinfeld episode. It's, we're, we're in the all third the act. Situ- we all the situations are coming together here. We gotta wrap it up. <laughs> we gotta wrap it up. And so the the uh, the lighting rig falls down after that. He's like, oh shit. Oh wait, no, no. He does. The- I think he sees the guy, doesn't he? Doesn't he see the paparazzi guy or something? The the lighting rig falls down. He might have seen the paparazzi guy, but the lighting rig falls down. And that was sort of like the big thing to like, oh, cut to commercial or whatever. Yeah. Then he gets up. He runs off. He's like having a mental breakdown. He's like, oh, they're trying to kill me. They're trying to kill me. Nina shows up. Also, didn't mention this. Totally forgot about this. Nina getting to Nina getting to the studio. She gets there and then she pulls out. I miss the days when like assassins had needlessly stupid weapons. <laughs> like she has a magnum with a scope on it and two muzzles on it simultaneously. It's like this is a first-person shooter assassin gun, not actually like a pure assassin weapon. What the fuck is this yeah, bullshit? Yeah, she has like a like a handgun with a big it's, scope on it. It's the gun that fucking uh, <laughs> What's-Her-Face uses is in Perfect Dark. It's that. It's like, what the fuck is this nonsensical horseshit gun that you're carrying? And she's just like carrying it around like, yeah, this is. I'm going to use this and be a true assassin. It's like, what? Was was cyanide too much? Was cyanide like not enough? It's true. She just skipped fed him a meal. <laughs> she could have done that. During the dinner, she could have just done that. Nope. No, I just want my fuck off pistol. So she confronts him. He's having a mental breakdown. And that's when the paparazzi guy shows up. The the suspicious yes, the man. The suspicious man we're supposed to think is the hitman the whole time. Him and his members only jacket. Although we know out. at this point Nina's the hitman. Yeah. So we, I don't know what you're supposed to think. But at that, because at that <laughs> point, two. I guess might have been two. So they at that the point, syndicate. and then he takes a picture of the two of them. the the one of the ladies who's a media lady who we've seen the whole movie. Yeah, is working with this photographer to get a picture of Halle Berry and Warren Beatty together because it's scandalous. Oh yeah, you know, and his and his rig setup is ridiculous. The, the paparazzi guy, the he has like a sniper <laughs> scope on like a Nokia. <laughs> It's like, yes, yeah. that, and then he has a big fuck off like cannon, and it's like, why are you? And he's somehow this? blowing the shot too. Oh, if you watch the scene, she's yelling at him, "You're not getting it." He's like, "I'm getting it," but it's clearly not. Halle Berry's like nowhere near him, and he's just <laughs> shooting like crazy. He's just, and they like push Halle Berry towards him, I believe. <laughs> That paparazzi can do that, I guess. All the while, like Bullworth is just standing. He's just there. laying there, confused. Like what the? He's laying okay. on the ground. I guess he stands up at some point. Yeah. And the guy snaps a million pictures, and then uh, all of them dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Bullworth tells Halle Berry what's going on. Well, they, well no, they, not yet. They leave. So the then studio. they leave again. They the this studio. is where the Public Enemy song is used. Yeah, there we go. Um, they leave again. They run away from the studio. Back to her house, I think. They go back to her house. There's like a this back is, house. This is where I think the uncle gives him her the speech, right? Beforehand was the speech. Or it's before she, she goes to the TV where studio. she was leaving. Yeah, before yeah. She, he gives the speech about- Apparently like, her mom's- It's very vague. Her mom's life was ruined by a white man. That's all they tell you. 
That's her backstory. I guess her mom's dead. Probably. But I somehow a white guy did it. I Look, don't know. Everybody in this because they're like, we don't like you messing with this guy. They're every, they're not pleased. Everybody in this movie except for Oliver. Which died. yes, it would be very concerning yeah. if your twenty six year old daughter was palling around with a senator <laughs> who's like be, seventy. <laughs> Like, like why? What's what are you doing? What is going? And on? she says something to him when she pulls. He goes, I don't, I don't. He goes, I don't like what you're getting mixed up in. And she says, You have no idea what I'm mixed up in, or something like that. Yeah. And pulls off. But um. But yeah, no. This is. I mean, everybody in this movie has like, except for Oliver Platt, has like the character development of like cardboard. <laughs> right. So like, yeah, sure. She has. She has a mother. It's weird. And her life ruined. It's really by- tacked on. A white guy doesn't need to be in the movie at all. It's that that scene. Sometimes makes, scene adds nothing. Sometimes scenes just need to be cut, you know. And so they get back to this guest house, and in the guest house, this is when Bullworth is like, "Yeah, so uh, I hired an assassin, and I feel bad about it. I, I canceled it, but then the guy had a heart he attack." He says at one now, point, uh, "You know, it's 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 it goes to show you don't make life and death decisions when you're suicidal, which is smart, <laughs> which is a good, which is true, I guess. It's a good line." And uh, then she pulls out the gun. She pulls out the. the most obnoxious assassin weapon and explains to him that uh she says Vinny was too cheap to get a real hitman blah 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 i was just supposed to get you up to the balcony he was gonna push you off then when i couldn't do it he said i'd do it myself and you know she's basically picking up this job so that she can pay for her brother not to get oh i forgot about that aspect of was again I'd- even though <laughs> apparently just being her brother saves him so i don't know why i i don't get what the difference is but it's, anyway who knows so she's going to murder a person and then she goes i'm not gonna murder you don't worry just want to let you she's know like no, no one's gonna here. kill you so no he pu- and he passes out because he's been awake this entire movie yep he's been awake for like five six days yep and then uh but now the news wants to know where the fuck he is now he's missing on the news because election days because he in. sleeps for like two days or something it's, it's implied he sleeps a very long time it, yeah it's implied that he sleeps through the entire election yeah he sleeps through the entire yes. election the election's over you hear voiceovers from the news saying that he won his he his primary is going on yeah he won his primary by a lot and he got a huge chunk of the Democratic write-in for president and like nine percent of the Republican write-in write-in nomination for president which would never happen ever no again. especially from the things he was saying oh he's yeah. pitching universal health care getting the inf- getting the influence of corporate money out of the news which i guess the republicans would kind of be for that yeah but anyway, but but it's resonating with people he doesn't know this yet so because the, he's asleep because he's been sleeping <laughs> the, the entire time then um then uh and oliver then, platt's trying to trying to tell the news they don't then the eventually whole, the whole time oliver platt is just like i all right i yeah i know where he is yeah sure we'll get him in a moment hangs up where the fuck is he right. where is he again then at one point in campaign headquarters halle berry's friends still hanging out at campaign they headquarters. Had a job. They apparently the, the job. whole time he's been sleeping they're just there <laughs> one of them says something like nina nina's no dummy if she was gonna hide him and the whole room goes silent and oliver platt goes what if he was gonna hide him, what? Like this, that. <laughs> and then they go. Then the press all goes to Nina's family's house. Yeah, and they're all waiting there. They're all like <laughs> everybody. Everybody and their mother is waiting outside. And so everybody's like, "Oh, is he, is he ready to come out? Who's gonna come out?" And this is when Don Cheadle shows up again. Don Cheadle shows up while the press is there. He just comes in. Yeah, because the whole time Sits, while the so a, oh yeah, well the I montage, gotta get to that. Yeah, the while he's making a speech on the news. Don Cheadle has a visible change of heart. Yeah. Where he's like, fuck, I'm not, I can't do this. I can't be selling drugs to the community. Or <laughs> speech really that? moves him. Yeah, I, it's unclear if he's not a drug dealer anymore, but he has a very huge change of heart. Oh, yeah. It's like, it, it, which is a bit much. That's one of the things I wrote down. <laughs> so, Don Cheadle's change of heart is kind of abrupt. He goes, he goes from my little soldiers are going to steal crack to like hearing them rap and being like, shut up. 
<laughs> Shut up. Shut up and go to school. <laughs> what are yeah. you doing? So now he tells Nina's brother, hey, uh, I'm not going to. I'm not gonna not gonna kill not you. Headhunt you, but you're gonna you're work gonna work for me, off man. your money. You're gonna work for me. One, somebody says, "What's he gonna be doing?" And he says, "We're gonna we gotta fix the community." Basically, very vague. Yeah, we gotta make very the vague allusions better. to fixing the community better. Yeah. But How they you're gonna do this? I don't know. God, if I know. <laughs> but the whole time, I, I the end goal, he was basically like, "We need to abuse this." crazy motherfucker as much as possible <laughs> yes, we need to take advantage of this motherfucker while he's still crazy yeah and so then yeah, while that's happening Bullworth comes out in a suit shaved cleaned up yeah and he's in president. senator mode he's very he's much going up to all the grandma like great to see you i can i and, trouble you to use the phone blah, blah, blah. Like, and they're all like oh my god Bullworth, and they all love him. love him he's in kissing baby shaking hands mode politician mode all, yeah, this, all of a like, sudden yeah hey how's and it Halle berry just sits there and doesn't know what to do because I think she's sort of, I'm not sure if she realized, I'm not sure if it was like, uh, oh, I'm Unclear. in love with this person. Or the way I took it was like she was viewing him as a oh, typical fucking He's white. back to the fake yeah, motherfucker. back to the fake motherfucker. That's kind of what, and he just keeps turning. I never noticed how many, it's like six times he like stops and turns back and just stares at her and then turns around again. Yeah, because he's just like, why are you? He just keeps doing you, this why are you as like people like are talking to him. Oliver Platt's like, no, 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 you got to get the other clothes back on. Oh yeah, no, no, no. That that too also. <laughs> that's also a subtle a subtle satire thing that I liked. Where Oliver Platt is like, whatever you did, really good, really good for the market. You need to <laughs> yeah. keep doing. It. I'm like, oh, now you're gonna hustle and grind right. the crazy stuff. Okay. Now Oliver Platt sees it successful. Now he's yeah. on board. He's pushing for the Jack Warden shows up again, being like, just, ah, just being there. I'm a person. Jack Warden's entire character in this movie is because he's. T- Again, he's too big an actor for this part. He's just <laughs> he's just there and he's just he's the hitman has to talk to somebody. Oh yeah, exactly. And so they end up doing their thing. They're he's about to leave and the whole time Bullworth is just longingly like longingly staring at Nina. Why aren't you coming? And she's just like, You fake piece of shit. Eventually says, Are you coming or not? And she doesn't move. Then he goes outside and everybody's out there. And he's still shell out there. Yeah. The whole group the of whole people. The whole family comes Everybody out comes out at once for some, for reason. some reason. And then Halle Berry pushes her way through. Well, it's funny because Oliver Platt tells the press he's going to press he's going to come out, make a quick statement, and then answer your questions. And he doesn't do that at all. And the press is like hounding him, and he's just talking to Nina when she comes out. Yeah. <laughs> he never takes questions. He was just waiting there, and then Nina comes out. He's like, oh, okay, now we can. Which go. is weird because now the press is now they now there's actual now he's popular, and this is presumably he's satisfied. With where he's at now, but he doesn't want to talk to the press. It's confusing to me. Exactly. You think you'd want to spread your message some more. So everybody sort of like walks around, like the homeless person's back, being like, "Oh yeah, there he is." Oh yeah, homeless guys he's around. Be a spirit. <laughs> and then, then Paul uh, Servino being creepy. He's up. So they flash to Paul Servino up on a rooftop. He is up on a rooftop. He's standing on a rooftop, staring down angrily. So then, and then they cut back to Nina and Bullworth having their conversation. Yeah, and Bullworth is like, "You made me like, feel weird. You sitting there. It's like you made me feel insecure." She's like, "What?" And she's like, you made me. She's like, why are you she's like, insecure? why are you insecure? And, he's like, and he goes, because I'm too old for you, and 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 and, and 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 I'm white. <laughs> and she goes, you're white. He's like, to and be I'm fair, white. to be fair, one of those things should be concerning. To <laughs> <laughs> just gonna, I don't know which one it is. Let's just be, let's be here. It's and then it's she not says, him being white. <laughs> she says, come on, Bullworth, you know you my N word, and which is which is not age great. It's not a. No. It's a weird. It's a it's it's an obvious joke to try to make, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of ha- it's kind of hack, I guess. Oh yeah. And it's but it's just but then they proceed to make out in front of everybody, in front it's of the press. It's a romantic moment, and it's weird. At one point, the press person goes, "Did you commit adultery 
when they're walking out. Yeah, meanwhile, like throughout the whole entire montage, you just get cut back to the loveless. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Where this, this, no, the romance makes no sense. Oh yeah, and that, that culminating in that scene where it's this long makeout. It's a while. Yeah. And it just pans out. Like, you see the crowd. You see Don Cheadle's bodyguards moving through. You see, like, everybody's there, and they're just making out in a sea of people. It's weird. It's so odd. And it's the only, I don't know. And everybody's like, yeah, great. So then he turns around to walk to the car. And he's doing the, hey, goodbye, have a good, blam. Get shot. Get shot. And it's implied that the insurance company, someone goes, where'd that shot come from? And they point to uh, where the guy was standing, where, yeah. where Paul served. Paul Servino, Paul Servino, standing, yeah. The insurance executive. Now, obviously, implication: the insurance executive shot him. The one thing that bothers me is the implication that this insurance executive was going to be the trigger man himself. Like, there's hitmen all throughout the plot of this movie. <laughs> like, there's hired killings going on left and right. Left and right. Why is he? <laughs> but this insurance executive assassinates, attempts to assassinate. It's left. It's left unclear whether he dies or not. Yeah. But attempts to assassinate a sitting senator. Himself, yeah. We're with, with in front of cameras, <laughs> like that. That bothers me too. The the what Warren Beatty did not that the Don Cheadle thing and that part. Warren Beatty just doesn't understand the subtlety of murder. So if anyone, <laughs> if Warren Beatty's ever accused of murder, we know it wasn't him because he would have been caught immediately. Oh, hundred. He does not understand how you hide. To, but to he was it. in the shadows. <laughs> he was in the shadows up in the rafters. It was. It's the urban version of a grassy knoll. It is. Uh, so, and then they cut to the magic homeless guy. The, the, the repeats magic, the refrain. Man. Can't be a ghost. Got to be a spirit. Got to be a spirit. And Which spirit is I'm must assuming, ascend through song. I'm assuming the message is is like because, and this is just me analyzing too much. Don't be a spirit. Be be a don't be a ghost. Be a spirit because, you know, dead dead leaders are one thing, but a but a spirit lives on and yeah, speaks. Yeah, I believe after, that's the you know, idea. Yeah. It's a it's kind of clumsy to be honest with you. But, kind of, yeah, but I believe that's the message. It's a bit. It's yeah. And they just cut the the the, the, uh, the magic homeless man's in front of the hospital. So that's why it's left open ended. Case as he ominous ominously looks into I the audience. I yeah, he's saying we should say yeah, he's saying this to camera. Oh yeah, at yeah, the yeah. close of the movie, he's walking and the whole time, the whole time he's like, ah, don't be a spirit, be don't. Yeah, be he a says ghost, it a bunch. A that's what as it fades, sudden, he's still saying it. But I believe at the end. He just cuts all the creepy, like he cuts all, it just gets creepy where he's just like standing there ominously and then being like, don't be a ghost, <laughs> be a spirit. And then walks off into the darkness. Fade to black. Yeah. And that's Fade the movie. Black. And then just no music. And then uh, some music starts. It's, yeah, I think it's the Morricone soundtrack. I think very briefly fly. some of uh, his music music comes on. Yeah. Eventually Ghetto Superstar plays during the credits, I'm pretty sure. I believe. But yeah, it's uh, so that's Bullworth. The that one other Bullworth. tidbit. Well, I watched uh, this with captions on last night. And every N-bomb, which towards the end there's a bunch. Every N-bomb... Is uh is uh, they wrote it with the hard R in the oh. closed captions, which makes it feel much different. Oh, and also man. they try to close caption the uh, this was on Amazon. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's the standard caption uh, wherever so, you so watch Jeff it. Bezos is just racist. I don't know if it's the standard saying? captions like wherever you watch this movie, but on the Amazon Prime version, the ca- they, they the try to caption the rap just... lyrics like the Public Enemy song, Hundred Miles and Running, the Ice Cube song. When the song's very prominent, they try to put the lyrics. All way wrong. <laughs> not even close, some of them. Like, so, not even the right number of words in parts. Egg like, and missing biscuit with beckons and Like, mixed. yeah. So that's bored. A movie near and dear to my heart. Well, but it's very strange. Hold on now. There's got to be more, I'm <laughs> We're sure. We're almost I definitely there. have more. There's probably a tidbit or two. 
So the movie was released May 15th, 1998. I saw it in the summer. Initially as a limited run. so uh, it's, That's what I'm saying. It was hard it, to find. It only aired, I think, in like two theaters in its initial run. And it made a significant amount of money. I think it was like uh, 165000 in its initial run. So because it did so well, they expanded it the next week, which was Memorial Day weekend. Oh, it was opposite uh, something huge, right? Yeah. And it ended up in fourth place. That week. More of the other ones. Would you like to give a guess on any of the other See, this is my senior year of high school. So this is like prime Seth, you know? Yeah. So I'm trying to work this. I'll I'll know them them all when I hear them. Two of them are blockbusters, one of which I'm pretty sure you're never going to guess. Blockbusters were happening in my senior year In 1998. This was my prime senioritis time. I probably saw them. Batman. There was a Batman movie. Not it. Wrong week, huh? Wrong week. (laughs) Nah, that might have been the year before, actually. No, because I wasn't with my girlfriend when that... I was with my girlfriend when this movie came out. We had just started dating. I don't know. I don't remember. All I'm right. Gonna, it's, I'm, I'm going to know it when I hear so it. So here's the rundown. Bullworth, number four. Number three is this movie called The Horse Whisperer. Mm-hmm. I remember that movie. I, I've never seen it. It was a big movie. That was like dumb. the stuff adults went and saw. Oh, the <laughs> I guess. N- Nicholas Spark stuff. Okay. Number two, Deep Impact. Oh, Okay. The disaster. I remember movie. that being that big a hit. I remember it, that movie. Yeah, it was a. It it's was a, kind of it's a an asteroid movie. I yeah, think. the end Hence of the, the world. Yeah, yeah it's, it's an apocalypse asteroid movie. I don't remember that being a big hit. That's crazy. I mean, number two might not be a big hit. I mean, you know, it. I think it was like on its like third or fourth week. Might have been. Could have been. Yeah. Number one though, Godzilla. Oh my god. Ninety-eight Godzilla. It's not a good movie. It's terrible. That's Again, big soundtrack. Puff Daddy uh, with Robert Plant or whatever. <laughs> Robert pa- Page. Page? Robert Plant? Oh, no. Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page. <laughs> no, that horrible Van Halen cover with Puff Daddy. Van, Van Halen? Is it Van Halen Led song? Zeppelin. Zeppelin. I'm not. I'm not good with that I, stuff. It's fine. It's, yeah, it's yeah. cool. What that, was it? That it wasn't. Ban- it was an immigrant song, right? No, it's right. it's da 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 da. Oh, Cashmere. Yeah, and it's the song called "Come you to can Me." Hate me. It's now. Puff Daddy. No, it's not hate oh, me. Not now. Now. <laughs> no, that's a Nas song. That's a different. About a year later. It's fair. Or like about six months later. I've never seen. I've. That's a really bad movie, that Godzilla movie. Yeah, that movie's bad. Big that soundtrack. The, that's, 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 this was the era of big soundtracks, not yeah, great movies, man. but huge soundtracks. Massive soundtracks, dude. There's, I was talking to my coworker when I was telling him I was doing this, and I talked about the soundtrack thing. Like New Jersey Drive was a big one. Double album. I don't know if anyone's ever seen that movie. New Jersey um, Drive? <laughs> I've seen it, like, sort of. It's not a huge movie. But the soundtrack was like I'm saying compared to the soundtrack. That's nuts. That yeah. was a huge hip-hop soundtrack. Uh, Above the Rim. Huge soundtrack, right, yeah. Regulate by Warren G. Huge hit. Bigger hit than than Ghetto Superstar. <laughs> yeah. Was originally on that before his album came out. Shit. There's a couple other big ones. The High School High soundtrack is phenomenal. <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard. Do you ever heard of High School High? It's uh, a John Lovitz movie. Oh. It's like oh a parody God. of like a hood movie. It's a parody of like, uh, uh, of, I don't know which specific movie. That's the, I know which White movie teacher goes to teach yeah, in the hood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Lovitz the teacher. Dangerous Minds. Not yeah, dangerous. it's like Basically a spoof dangerous. of those movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, huge soundtrack. <laughs> huge song. Not, I don't know if the whole, not the whole soundtrack. That Coolio song, you don't understand how big that fucking song was. Oh, Gangster's Paradise? Way bigger than the movie. Yeah. That movie's not even good as far as I understand. I've never seen it. I've it seen made a ton parts of, money, of it. But... Because of that song. Yep. <laughs> That song was huge. My mom likes that song. <laughs> That's how big that song, song was. Jesus Christ. I got it. That ooh. song blew Coolio the fuck. Coolio had a mainstream song before that, but not that. That, 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 that was the biggest up. song on the planet for a while. Oh, for real. Yeah. And, and I listened to it recently. Oh, it still it's kicks. Not, it's, it's all right. It still kicks. It got the, so played the out. The chorus still kicks. It got so played out. Still, yeah, but it raised in total off of its $30 million budget. 
it made $29,202,884. So Warren Beatty's doing fine. He barely I, lost any money. Ah, well, like, I wonder how you, million. But if you put the sound, technically, if the budget's thirty million, they had to make sixty million. That okay. being said, number one, it is Warren Beatty's money. <laughs> right, a lot number, of it was right. Like, yeah, number one, number two, like you mentioned that it got like no advertisement, like no nothing. I remember seeing it advertised, but it was bizarrely slim. Yeah, so you could we could make the argument almost a success. <laughs> But that's Almost what I'm saying. I don't profit. know how you chop up the number. I'm wondering what points Warren Beatty had on the soundtrack because that was a very successful soundtrack. If any, I don't know. I don't know how I this. Shit, good, I don't know how this shit works. I don't. I don't think he got any. I think he must have um, got some money. I think Warner Brothers would get maybe stuff. Warner Brothers would get the money, not Warren Beatty. Yeah, he might have not had any points. He only on the gets. Soundtrack. He only gets the movie stuff. He doesn't get the that. Yeah, no. Apparently, also too, the film was really well received. It was nominated for like a. It's reviewed well. Yeah, it's nominated for a few things. Yeah. The reviews. It's got a pretty high score on IMDb and stuff. I think like seventy. It's in the seventies or something. something. Yeah, the critic score is pretty high. Surprisingly, there was another tidbit in here we didn't mention that initially he was really insecure about the movie so he went to his old writing partner for advice and she told him that it sucked <laughs> but the reason B might be because she was working on her the primary own colors primary colors I saw that information <laughs> which also got nominated for an Academy Award that same year that's pretty good that's the one with uh, uh, John Travolta, Travolta right yeah, yeah where he basically that. does Clinton. like Clinton. Yeah, it's yeah. obvious it's, it's, it's super Clinton. it's pretty good I've seen that it's not bad but did yeah you, did you see the Obama tidbit <laughs> Yeah, that's the last thing I had in my docket. <laughs> Obama, apparently during, uh, according to an article in the New York Times, uh, in the middle, I think it was pretty early in his presidency. Uh, 2013. So That's when the article was, but I don't know what time period it's supposed to be quoted. This could be, uh, I think this might have been around 2011, so like the tail end of. Apparently, supposedly, uh, Mr. Obama sometimes expresses exasperation in private. He's talked longingly of going Bullworth. <laughs> So apparently, Barack Obama also big, big, big effect fan, on him. Big fan of Bullworth. <laughs> apparently, big fan of Bullworth. Although to be fair, seeing Obama go on TV and be like the rich are getting richer. I would love Obama richer, to go on TV and be like, uh, uh, I'm trying to, I, I could, I could wrap so much of this movie. Um, but I'm trying. I'd love Obama to get up there and be like, everybody's got to start fucking each other until we're the same color. It's <laughs> terrible, Obama, but you get it. No one's gonna make a wage working at fucking Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Obama literally just went out and started quoting that movie. Would have probably saved a lot of lives. Yeah, certainly. That was, uh, I found, apparently, supposedly, there was a sequel in the works at one point. Yeah. Called Borworth Borworth 2000, 2000. Which was supposed to be about the Which is way too election. soon. Two yeah. years later? Yeah. I don't know. Number one, number two. And before the 2000 election was over, I guess it would have been about the way it was stolen. Yeah. But uh but also too like I don't know like outside of like uber liberal people like who really genuinely gives a shit about the 2000 election at this point. Like that's one of those it's like a big, neo, it's, it's one of those there's a lot it's people should talk- believe it or not. I can't explain it well. They should, they should give more of a people shit. People talk about like, stolen elections. This one you could actually make the argument. But I can't I'm not I'm not well versed enough to it's explain a, it. It's a but it's people a, smarter than me. Yeah. I've explained explain it very well. It's a long conversation that basically boils down to why is Florida a state? <laughs> right. That's basically the the synopsis then, um, of the 2000. I I don't I don't know if this is interesting. You you know movies better than me. Apparently all film, filmed entirely on steady cam. That was really good. Except for the I first scene. I didn't I don't know what intro. that means. 
uh, when he's having the montage. No, I, I don't know. I don't really know what a steady cam. Steady cam is. is <laughs> I know um, framing. I know editing a little. I don't know shit about cameras. Steady cam is sort of a, a more recent thing, but it's basically you. You ever see like one of those influencers use like those gates? Yeah. For their like DSLR, that would be a steady cam. It would like the hold basically ah, so that was to make at the time. basically to make handheld shots as right. stable as humanly possible. Okay, so it's it's really 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 cool little tidbit. This movie is, is that that would be unusual for the time period. Very saying? very oh for ninety eight. I assumed that's why it's in this. Oh for ninety eight, super super much super bad. But yeah, yeah. and the uh, as you're reading through the rest of them, which are this just was the like, co-writer thing about. Also, he was mad about he kept rework in the single draft that uh he he convinced him to let him do the rest of it via fax oh yeah <laughs> and and over the phone because this was you couldn't this was before google docs my friend yep the ba- internet barely google existed yeah. at this time so it exists this was aol they had to do lucky. the rest of this and and actually pretty interesting enough somebody who got an uncredited draft writing cre- saw it. aaron sorkin, sorkin yeah Sort. I could see that. It's a lot of big speeches. Which would explain <laughs> like, why Obama likes it so much. Right. Like Aaron Sorkin. And like we said, Born Bay didn't make another movie for 18 years. Yeah. Which is yeah. interesting. The next movie he made was that weird fucking rules Howard don't Hughes. Apply. Yeah, Rules I Don't, don't Apply. I never heard of it. It's, oh, dog. That's a movie I got to cover at yeah, some point. It was point. Oscar nominated for Best Writing and Best yeah. Screenplay. Didn't uh, win anything, but. No, nah, it was nominated for a bunch of awards, like Golden Globes. It was nominated for, I think it only won, out of all the awards, it only won uh, Best screenplay from the LA Film Critics Association. But it was nominated for Golden Globes, it was nominated for the Academy Awards. It was it was highly revered. And this, and this was his first movie since Dick Tracy. It's crazy. Yeah. So, I think that's Bullworth. That's all the amount of information we could get out of Bullworth. Long, we've been here a long time. We've been here for a I minute. I didn't expect to be able to do this much on Bullworth. Jesus. We pretty much did the whole movie, but I think we, yeah. I don't think we skipped uh, a scene, but but, it's a fascinating listen, people. If you've never seen this movie, you owe it to yourself just to just to marvel at the fact that this exists. To, in my <laughs> in my opinion, because it's a weird movie that that Warren Beatty decided. You know what? I really like Robert Kennedy so much. I'm gonna make an ode to him and made it's, Bullworth to a to an extent. If you like Bernie Sanders. <laughs> This is kind of Warren Bainey being a rapping version Bernie of Bernie Sanders in 1998 in some ways. It's like you take <laughs> take the cheesiness of Pete Buttigieg and the politics of Bernie Sanders and fuse it into one person. <laughs> and that is Jay Bulworth. Credits time. This episode of Bombed is produced, edited, and released by yours truly, Liam Wolf. That awesome intro track that you hear every single week is done by my good friend Jacob O'Brien. You can follow him at Vaulted Tadpole over on Twitch and YouTube for more music and video game live streams if you're into that. 
Joe McAndrew has done that awesome podcast art that you see each week. You can follow him at Joe MC Art or Joe MC Shut Up on Instagram. And of course, I'd like to thank all of you for sitting down and listening to this, whether it's on Anchor, Apple Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever podcasts are held hostage. Thank you. And please send a like, share it to your friends, send us a review, even comment underneath if you want to say that we're idiots that don't know what we're talking about or that I'm an idiot that doesn't know what I'm talking about. Any criticism helps produce and build this podcast beyond the mild constraints that we're at right now. So thank you for your honest-to-God support. All right, this week's guest was none other than Seth The Wrist Michaels. He's a local hip-hop legend in the Jersey scene, so give him a shout-out. Most recently, the best quote-unquote of no subways in Jersey. That dropped last year, so give it a check. I'll try to link his artist page in the description down below. Love the guy to death. All right. Next week, we got a weird one here. Hopefully people know this. It's very much a cult classic. Definitely going back to the crawl level of high fantasy surrealist. Giant heads. Strange authoritarian slogans. Sean Connery in a Speedo. The gun is good, the penis is evil. That's about all I know from this movie, so this is going to be a blind run. Ladies and gentlemen, Zardoz coming up next week, so stay tuned for that. Take care, guys. Adios.